0: Reveille, reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? It's been a long time since we laughed that creepily. You know what I'm talking about? We back, baby. Trust me. We back. Monday, August 14th. You're looking at my new co-host right here, 2023. This is, this is it, right? This is great content, yeah. Uh, this is the award-winning Morning Combat. Thank you for sliding right in. My name is that BBC with the BDE. Yes, that beige guy who works too much. It's Brian Campbell. Uh, thank you for joining me fresh off the family vacay, okay? Okay? A uh, little, little k Quebec action, little rediscovering my roots, all right. It turns out my roots is uh, man, I'll tell you about Quebec real quick. Here's what they love, okay pork. I mean, they love pork more than anyone ever, which explains my black liver. Uh, they got sauces on top of sauces, okay. All right, they, they got a lot of things going on. Maybe we'll get more to that later. Uh, welcome in Luke Thomas, by the way, on vacation along with super producer Mikey, but we got you covered. Uh, Gaff. Long Island Luke on the ones and twos, and we got a big weekend of combat sports to break down, review, recap, push it forward, all that stuff. Zoe the cat here until she bites too hard. Uh, I do have a great co-host for you today, making his MK debut. Get to that for a second, but we got partners in this game. Showtime, of course, the label that pays us. You can get 30 days free of Showtime right now by going to Showtime.com, but how about another partner? There it is. Yeah. You can stream boxing, mixed martial arts. Bill Cosby documentaries. Fantastic. We got another great partner, though. I'm talking about Caldera Lab, okay? Do you want your face to look like you've got jaundice or not? That's the question I've got to you for for you today, okay? Because Caldera Lab is here to get your skin summer ready. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin, Caldera Lab has the tools to keep your skin fresh and confident as the weather heats up this summer. Uh, And today... Just for our MK viewers, Caldera Lab has an exclusive offer that you can try for yourself. I use this thing. I use this thing. You, you notice the changes in me lately? Okay. Ch-ch-ch-changes. You know what I'm talking about? Today, you can have those same changes. If you were ready to trust Caldera Lab with your skincare needs, you can use code COMBAT with a K at calderalab.com for 20% off of their best products. And you're saying, what What are their best products? How about the regimen? How about the clean slate? How about the base layer? How about the good? It's all there. The clean slate, that's where I, what I used to start my day. It's a balancing cleanser. It uses gentle, plant-based, fortifying moisturizer that hydrates my skin and could do the same to you fast, leaving you with a beautiful finish. So many great things because, look, especially if you're still in the game, you have no excuse not to be at your best, okay? If you're old and washed like most of our clientele, you're, you're, you are you're know, enjoy the rest of your life, okay? Keep that liver fresh. But if not, if you wanted to be committed to new skin, then I'm here to tell you this, Caldera Lab is committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence. They are on a mission to better men's skincare around the globe. They pride themselves on clean ingredients. Everything lines up. Caldera Lab also a certified B Corporation and a member of the 1% for the planet. You want to join that 1% of men who actually take care of their skin? How about you get 20% off right now? Go to calderalab.com. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B. I want you to use our code combat with a K. 20% off their finest products. I mean, you know, could it get any better than this? The Quebec Sun Caldera Lab deep in my pores. It's time for M to the K thank you uh let me bring in my today co-host making his MK debut from the state of Georgia with love uh I like this guy a lot he I call him the hot take kid uh, let me adjust my camera for you right there uh MMAfighting.com's full-time writer uh he takes big swings does he miss that's up to you to figure out Jed Mihu the second welcome to morning Combat
1: I've never missed in my life, BC, in my life, but thanks for having me. This is going to be really really fun. I'm excited to join the award-winning MK. Uh, My first and most important question, uh, do I get to come accept the Fighters Only Award with you guys now that I'm officially part of the family uh, when we go up on stage, I get to be there now, right? Yes, you
0: do. You fortunately you have to stand yeah. in line between uh, Aaron Bronstetter and Shaquille Maggiore. So uh, good luck with that. Don't I let,
1: think I could take them both. Don't
0: let Shaq I'll talk you into forward. any raves wearing cow outfits. But I uh, love our extended family here. Welcome to it, Jed. You are a, a host of a number of podcasts. Do you want to talk about any of them or should we, you know, should we should we just bang toey What are we doing here?
1: Uh I host Nobets Bard or I co-host Nobets Bard on the MMA Fighting podcast network. It's a gambling podcast about MMA. Uh it's fun, you should watch it. It's weekly and then I host Damn They Were Good podcast which is uh somewhat similar at least in in core concept to y'all's resume reviews that you do. We just oh, yeah. look back at fighters and and enjoy their their wonderful careers that they've given us. So check that out. Go to www.mmafighting.com. It's a terrific website. And uh that's it. That's all the intro I need. I did want to, to shout out about Thursdays on MMA things.
0: Fighting. You have uh, beneath, Between the Links, Beneath the Links, Around the Back of the Between link. the Links. Yeah, with, but, with, but, with Mike Hecht. Around the Back. Great show. Have met it. Been on there many times. Big fan of what you guys do over there. Uh, fast-paced and wild. Like, I love it.
1: Quickly are still undefeated. You're still undefeated. Yeah, but
0: the, that's questionable scoring regarding that. It's kind of like Club Swanson versus Duodu. We'll Say We got some that.
1: questionable scoring uh, to
0: talk Quickly, about. morningcombat.store if you want to drink coffee out of this fantastic mug. Jed, I'd love to see you in a bomber jacket, by the way, or a drug rug. You look like you could, uh, you know, fill that front pouch with a few, uh a few, uh not yet. You
1: could talk me into a bomber jacket. All right. Uh and just- I mean, It's a little warm in August, August in Georgia, but fall coming in. Let's let's circle. It's classy. It's actually
0: classy. And uh, Joanna Young-Jacek once said, of course, that Brett Okamoto is the best looking MMA journalist. I don't know where you fit in that list. I don't care. Luke thinks I want to bang all my friends in MMA unless you can make 115, Jed. This is not the direction I'm looking to go. I am here to tell you, though, off the top, we got a great show. Let's hit it right here. Segment number one, our weekend review and topic number one. Yeah, it's UFC Vegas. They were back in the apex over the weekend in Las Vegas. A welterweight five-round main event. Vicente Luque scoring a unanimous decision over the always tough 38-year-old former lightweight champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. So what did Luque overcome here, Jed? How about a one-year layoff, a two-fight losing skid, and of course that very scary bout with the career-threatening brain bleed, which Luque did say after the fight, he thanked God for essentially a miraculous recovery. Well, did we see a new Luke or not? He wasn't the silent assassin in the violent nature. He was very grappling heavy. So let's start out right here, Jed Michoud. The new Vicente Luque. Uh a necessary evolution with this grinding style? Or did you see a guy a bit gun shy after some legitimately scary turns leading up to this return?
1: Maybe both. I mean, Luke came out basically and said it afterwards that so like that first round, he was he was concerned, which Why wouldn't you be? Your brain was bleeding like that. I am not a medical doctor. Feels like when the word brain brain hemorrhage get brought in uh, something, not, not all that kosher is going down. Um, So I think he certainly was a little skittish. I'm not sure that this is like a stylistic evolution of his though. Like really Uh, kind of just felt like the fight played out that way. Like he, he came in and wasn't really looking to grapple, but then RDA was so intent on it. And every time RDA would initiate, luke was was being able to turn him and have success and it kind of just felt to me at least like okay here i'm just gonna go with with the flow here this is a way forward not his typical most exciting you know vicente Luque is an action fighter par excellence or whatever but uh to get back in the win column coming off a year and a serious medical scare uh I, i'm reserving judgment on any grand grand statements about where luke is in his career but Solid performance. I I hope he doesn't become Luke the grappler because he's super fun, but very, very, very solid win, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, this was a decent fight. It didn't have the fireworks spectaculars that we thought, and while you reserved the right to not necessarily need to give a definitive hot take. That's also what you're paid for, Jed. So believe I'm going to tee up for a second with one. But I did want to say Luque did score a career high, eight takedowns. And I think it was very clear stylistically that he took advantage of the size advantage. RDA going back to welterweight, trying to reinvent himself and came in in such sick killer shape. I mean, who is there anybody in this game that we should respect more than RDA. I mean, he is the ultimate gangster. will fight anybody, anytime. But I liked what Luque actually did, leaning on the strengths in this particular matchup. It's just, look, at 31, this is this was a big hill to climb, to come back into a five-round main event, all that time off, all the questions, two losses at the highest level. So I do have to put you on the spot to make a definitive statement. Did Luke show you enough... To believe in what he said afterwards that he believes he's ready to put together a run that he learned from those two losses and that maybe i don't want to see grapple heavy luke this fight was good but wasn't great but maybe do you think a, a a merge style moving forward for a guy who's always dangerous on the ground but loves to walk into traffic could lead him back to the top of the welterweight rankings?
1: no he is not getting back to the top of the welterweight rankings and that's okay like, I get it. He wants to be that guy. Like, every fighter has those aspirations. It's just not going to happen for him. And that's that, That's not... I don't mean that as, like, to offend him or whatever. But we know what he is. Like, he's 31. Maybe he can make some late career super change. But two years ago or whatever, Bilal Muhammad rinsed him. Like, that fight was not competitive. And Bilal Muhammad is very, very good, obviously. I'm not sure Bilal Muhammad is the best wrestler in this division. And if he is, it's not by a lot. Like the the top of this division doesn't match up well for him. And then even against the guys that you would think that maybe he could make, hey Jeff Neal. I I don't want to say killed him because we know what happened with the brain bleed again. But I I just see no path forward for him. This division is getting younger and better. He has a lot of miles on him, and he already has failed to to climb the mountain. Basically, so unless something really dramatic happens. This is where he is. He's a top 10, top 15 guy, usually incredibly exciting, going to win more than he loses, but he's probably never going to fight for a title, much less win one.
0: I'm a little surprised at that definitive statement out of you, Jed. The guy's 31, so he's got four years before Luke Thomas drops that stat on him, how you can't win a title at welterweight or below or above 35. I don't know if he's mentioned that 49 times, but ad nausea it's would a be a good hashtag to put next to that. But when you look at this top 10 at welterweight, we certainly have future risers, hammers that are coming from the standpoint of Rachmaninoff. And obviously, Muhammad's on the doorstep of finally having his big moment. But you've got the older guard that could be going that way, meaning a Gilbert Burns, a Wonder Boy. uh, You know, questions about Sean Brady, who's at number nine there. Some solid guys in and around that. A riser and Ian Gary could have a big moment this weekend. You don't think this stylistically, adding this commitment to wrestling, Could be a thing that I don't, because look, if you asked me before this in the past, what was keeping Vicente Luque from the top, I would have told you that it was, he's too much in love with walking into traffic. He's too much in love with making wars, when at the highest level, that is not consistently how big fights are won. I actually liked this evolution to his game and thought, going 25 hard minutes against a a proven tough out like this, it showed me something, Jed. You're not feeling that moving forward at Welterweight.
1: I'm not. And for two reasons. The first one is, uh, look, Luke and his stat, I'm not here to say it's a bad stat. I think it's probably a good stat. I'm less concerned in general with fighter age than I am with, with years. And Luke has been fighting since he was like 16 or whatever. This is his 14th or 15th year of professional fighting. And as you said, in that come forward, let's just get into war style. That, that is not conducive to a long career. So being 31, like yes, he is young, relative, and frankly coming into this weekend, I was surprised how young he was. I thought he was much older. He's got a lot of miles. He's got a lot of city miles on him, and I don't... That makes me very questionable. And the second thing, here's a hot take for you. Javier uh, dos dosanjos's run at welterweight is entirely fraudulent, or at least like 85% fraudulent. He was a lightweight champion. There is a very strong argument that at no point in the history of the world has he been the best lightweight in the world, considering he won the belt after Habib dominated him. Uh, but he was a lightweight champion, got a, a one title defense, I think, and just very, very good top five-ish lightweight. His move up to welterweight sort of just like felt like he had to because of where he was. Here are his welterweight wins, BC, because I looked it up beforehand to make yeah. sure I wasn't yeah, crazy when I think this it's Tarek Safadine which at the time like was a fine win, but does anyone care about that at all? Neil Magney, which is still a quality win, but Neil Magney's not a top five top 10 dude and Robbie Lawler, which I guess at the time was better than it is now, but Robbie Lawler is we we know where Robbie is <laughs> and then he lost to Covington he lost to Usman he he's a very good fighter who took advantage of an opportunity up a weight class. but we saw like you said, Luque just was way bigger than him. And so beating a very, very good fighter in RDA RDA is a tremendous fighter, but was, did he beat him? Cause his wrestling's better or did he beat him? Cause he had 10 to 15 pounds and good enough wrestling that he could just use that. I don't know. Uh, I need to see a lot more to think that Vicente Luque is going to have a Charles Oliveira like, Sure. Uh, Late career renaissance to suddenly be this. uh, And and that is, that would be the comp form, right? It's Chucky olives. It's Hey, you were the super fun fighter who lost, you know, a lot as well, but were dynamic and interesting. And then you put it all together and now you are making a, a historic run. That's what he has to hope for. I need to see more than, than beating a puffed up lightweight.
0: It's actually a fair breakdown. There is a fool's gold element there in that size difference. I do want to see how Luke responds. If he is back in a firefight, which you would expect inevitably, he will be taking top 10 matchups, but happy for this comeback win. uh, hope the health can stay there. Believe in miracles. I do. Uh, but that is a scary situation. He's back. Good win. We'll see where he goes moving forward. Jed, I do see the UFC 201 poster over your shoulder, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I happened to be there, uh, that night, but, uh,
1: so was I,
0: were you also at,
1: that was the greatest the first night event I, that was the first event I ever covered.
0: Oh wow! Look at that! Look at that! Uh, were you also at the greatest night in my MMA lifedom, which also happened in Atlanta? I'm talking about UFC two three six. I'm talking about Gastelum Adesanya, Poirier, sure Holloway two. Did you feel that? Most were you there? Ni-
1: most insane night of fights I've ever ever been a part of.
0: Okay, because sometimes I like. To, sometimes people make me feel like you know I'm the only one that's trying to tell people that Izzy Gastelum was one was one of the three greatest fights in the history of this sport.
1: 100 uh, percent with you. Okay. And Thank I you. don't, I don't know if it's just because I was there, but like I have, there are, it's unquestionably top five for me. Like that fight was, I remember feeling like I emotionally couldn't, couldn't watch the main event after it. Like I, I'm not I'm ready to do this.
0: I'm there with you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's keep going on this USC Vegas card, that Coleman event we had, eh, we had some stuff happen. Uh, cup Swanson was back taking on Hakeem DeWodu. They went three rounds. Two rounds to one on all three judges' scorecards in the end in favor of Cub Swanson. Why is this an issue? Even Cub admitted afterwards he didn't think he won the fight, although he also hedged it by saying he is his toughest critic. We love seeing Cub Swanson there with the wife and kids, and it seemed like this could be this resurgent win for him at age 38, except the internet kind of blew up afterwards. So look, we have this debate on the show a lot, Jed, when it comes to decisions, a lot of times in boxing, to be fair where we have to try to pull through the crap and say, Hey guys, I know you want to yell robbery, but it was, it, it was actually closer than you think. Was this a robbery? Was this just a bad scorecard or do does you know, combat sports Twitter just need things to rail against. How do you weigh in on what happened here with Swanson? It's
1: not a robbery for two reasons, but there's an argument for it being a robbery for one. So the two reasons it's not a robbery. The first is it's a competitive fight. Like I think, Holistically, a scorecard of 29-28 for Cub Swanson is not awful. Um, I I scored it 29-28, Dawadu, but if you scored it 29-28 for Swanson, I think that's fine. right? I I think that that is an acceptable scorecard. The way those scorecards happened was pretty bad. I I pretty much disagree fundamentally with with the judges' scorecards that they offered here. Uh, But ultimately, it's not a robbery because does anyone really care like, love Cub Swanson, a, to, a, an all-time great, one of the most, you know, all-time action guy, like a, a dude who's not going to get the flowers he deserves in his career, but a guy who people will remember fondly when he exits the game. He's not making a title run. This win and this loss isn't, like, massively substantive in any real way. And the same thing with Duadu. Like, shown some promise, but he's probably not getting there at this point, so... Uh, If this were a main event and a title fight, I would have a lot more scrutiny for for what went on here. Instead, it's just a competitive fight, and these scorecards are reasonable. Again, I can't believe I'm about to say this. This is going to be the hottest take I've ever said in my life, Brian Campbell. I think Sal D'Amato is probably the one who got the scorecard right. If you're going to go for Cub Swanson, his scorecard is the appropriate one of giving uh, Dawadu the first round and then giving Cubby the the back two. Cub clearly wins the third round. I've seen most people seem to think that the first round is a swing round. I thought that round was very, very clearly in favor of Dawoodoo. Of and the second round is the one that I'm I'm open to it. I thought Dawadu did more, but it was a competitive enough round. And that flurry at the end where it looked like Swanson at least optically was winning, I'm okay with you giving him. But this isn't a robbery because it's fine. It's like who who's really upset about this other than friends and relations of Hakeem Dawadu?
0: I mean that's a fair point. I hopefully it doesn't lead duadu you know, into eventually getting cut where this could have been a difference maker because look, I scored it 2 to 1 for Duwadu. I gave Cub the third round like you did, but I do agree that first round there is a case there for Cub. It's not ridiculous. Two of the three judges gave Cub rounds 1 and 3. Uh see, I, I think don't the know.
1: I think the second round there's a much better case for Cub. I think the first round well, to Cub me, hurt him uh,
0: at the end of round two. So you'd have to lean heavily into that last punch basically.
1: Yeah, but like I, I get the optics from that like in the first round by almost any scoring metric. It seems that Dowdy should have won it like particularly because Cub Cub gets busted up at the end of that round like the visuals alone are one man is bleeding and one man isn't. They landed similar amount of strikes, but I, I don't I really don't get scoring the first round for Cub. If you scored the second round for him, I'm at That's fine. I have no issues with it. Um, Scoring the first round feels bad to me.
0: I don't know. The closest fight, I thought they got it wrong. Not a robbery. You're right on, look, does the value of it truly matter? Hopefully not in terms of anyone's job employment. But I kind of like seeing that emotional Cub afterwards, though. Talk about... Look, I love it. Anytime fighters are real about the real life pressures that go into this game about living up to your your reputation, which Cub talked about about in this case, you know, he had his wife and beautiful young children right there uh in the at Zuck position cage side. And he basically said, look, you know, sooner or later they're gonna have to see this, so let's just do this. And luckily in this case, Daddy didn't get, you know, beat up. Um, you know, you can question those parenting skills. Although it seems Jet yeah, doesn't it seem like in boxing it's more normal tradition? To to bring kids, put them in the front row, and just be like, "This is what dad does." I mean, we don't see that as much in MMA, but I did like to see, even though I didn't agree with him getting the win, I like to see, I like seeing Club get the win and then be so emotional. Like you said, he's one of those underrated warriors. He does have a fight that is in the Hall of Fame. Don't call him a Hall of Famer though, and on my show. Um, but yeah, it was what it was. I don't know.
1: Uh I. It does feel, at least in my, you're the boxing guy, in BC. I'm not yeah. a boxing guy. It does feel in my exposure to boxing that they don't seem to have any issues bringing children to events, <laughs> which I don't. We could we could delve into the moral complications there. I'm not sure I have. A, a I think it's a cultural
0: it, thing. But, in certain cultures where where boxing is literally sport number two besides be, beyond soccer, it's it's just sort of like part of life, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't disagree. Like it doesn't seem ridiculous that you couldn't bring your child to an MMA fight. Like one, they're probably not paying attention, right? Like anywhere at they're probably not going to be super focused on it. And two, like this is this is the job. Like you just explain to your kid what what you're doing and can all sort of settle in. Uh maybe that's it though. Maybe maybe Cub bring his family sort of swayed uh I don't was Ron McCarthy was one of the judges. Maybe his his family's presence there got him got him over with the judges and And that's a great hack. That's not bad.
0: It's worked many times in crowded arenas when the more popular fighter can sometimes sway the judge just by the crowd reaction. The other big bang on this largely-ish. I didn't love this card top to bottom. We'll have more and have you seen this shit in terms of the big highlights. But the other big story, Khalil Roundtree Jr., how about this at light heavyweight? Four straight wins. Three by KO. You had Chris Stalkus making a cut down to 205 pounds, looking to snap a three-fight losing skid. Instead, he got snapped. It was a vicious finish on a straight left cross. So here's the real question. Here's the hot question, Jed. Is it about time we take Khalil Rountree Jr. serious at light heavyweight?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. You should take him serious if you're fighting him because he is pretty good at fist fighting right like he he hits real hard he doesn't he's not a wilton Lily. like he's not going to go anywhere i don't know if we should take him seriously as a title contender that might be a bridge too far for me um and it's it's not a that's not a condemnation of him but what am i to gain from watching him knock out chris daukes the most expected outcome of this fight the uh, i put a bet on cleo rodriguez by ko at minus 140 so it was a negative number to get that. That's the outcome we expected. It frankly looked pretty similar to what we expected. And I just don't know what how much credence to give knocking out Chris Dawkins, who has been knocked out three times in a row and was cutting down a weight to a, a harder weight class. So this, I don't know how to respond to this fight, basically. This is what I thought. I'm still pretty in on watching Cleo Roundtree fight anytime he does it because somebody's getting knuckle-dusted. Like, one way or the other, things are going to get going but I don't is this fight tells me nothing about how Khalil Roundtree will do against Anthony Smith or Jan Vlahovic or whatever. Like I, I got to see those fights to to take him seriously as like a title threat, but as a top 10, top 12, dude, we, you should have been taking him seriously a long time ago. Yeah. If you hadn't already,
0: well, you got to take his power seriously always. And obviously that was a beautiful finish, but I did like overall the poise. I think he's coming together in terms of confidence and And figuring out how to be the best of himself. But I do agree with you, although it sounds like you're walking onto, you know, anyone's campsite and just pissing on their fire with all these hot takes. You might be right here. Chris Dawkins. I'm not sure with, what is that, four straight knockout defeats? He's in a tough spot in terms of future job employment with the UFC after this. But a nice win for Rontree. One thing he did say afterwards was like, look, give me a top 10 guy. More importantly, give me a man event. I want to test myself in five rounds. Let's find out where I'm at. You just said it. Let's find out. Let's see him against the Anthony Smith. that level of guys in the middle of this top 10 to see. But a big win for Khalil in terms of a big highlight there was nice to see. Uh, topic number two, and as I mentioned, again, have you seen this shit while we'll more on this UFC card? Bellator 298 went down in the MMA hotbed of South Dakota. Another homecoming opportunity here for former interim welterweight titleist Logan Storley. Who probably tore up South Dakota on Friday nights. you know what I'm saying? Like we'll go to the local car show at the McDonald's. That guy's probably just just slaying left and right. But here's the deal: one-sided got loss. A
1: Super Walmart now.
0: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. A one-sided rematch title loss to Yaroslav Amasov, losing 50-45 on all three scorecards. But he got the comeback win he needed here, facing the the rising Brennan Ward, who we know his story recovering from the years out of the sport, the deep drug addiction, and had got that big win on CBS against Sabahu Humasi. This was an interesting fight in terms of Ward's wrestling takedown defense in the first round. But once Storley was able to secure him there, as you're watching the highlights in round two, the ground and pound was delivered and referee Jason Herzog, as you see right there, jumping in to stop it. Twitter did blow up. Brennan Ward was apoplectic, as Moro said. Great use of that term right there. But all in all here, Jed, did Storley show you some real evolution here? Robbie Lawler in his corner. We know that the talent at Kill Cliff that you can get in South Florida. Did Storley show you enough evolution to lead you to believe he's still in this welterweight title picture?
1: yes and no so i i don't want to be a guy who's negative because all i've been doing in negative bc i mean that's who you are feel guy. your
0: anger anakin you know
1: what i mean <laughs> yeah i'm not, not a very positive guy uh look this didn't this didn't make me think he's beating Yaroslav amisov if, I, if that's the the crux of the question here no i saw nothing there what is good the positive here showed a killer instinct which has been a bit lacking like you look at his last like five fights or something they've almost all been decisions uh some questionable that he even won those so when he got top position and could take advantage of it we saw some like real aggression out of him which is a great thing like that's you need that if you are going to be an elite elite level fighter here's the thing bc i don't know if you know this because i thought i was crazy i was covering this event and i I don't know if you watched this fight live, if you came to it after, if you noticed this. I watched uh,
0: every fight this weekend this morning. So that, that's all you need to know.
1: Okay. Hey, that's way to do your homework. Proud of you for that. So while this fight is going on, in the second round when he gets taken down, I thought that it looked like he, he uh, Brendan Ward posts his arm out and he immediately like winced in pain. And I was like, oh, he probably just jacked up his elbow. And then when, when Storley's on top, Brendan Ward just starts screaming at him him the whole time it's like stand up you i don't know what words i'm allowed or not allowed to say on this ah, just wing it. stand up you uh, you obscenity uh i have one freaking arm just shouting at him before he gets finished so I, I left that being like oh he hurt himself in the takedown actually you go on brennan ward's instagram uh a message from his wife basically reveals that he ruined his elbow a couple of weeks before the fight and just did it anyway so I don't know how much credit to give Logan Storley for beating a one-armed man. Uh, how much credit did we give Al Sterling for beating the one-armed TJ Dillashaw? Or was the na- dude's name in The Fugitive? Though I guess he actually lo- lost the fight to the one-armed <laughs> man. Still, I don't know what you give credit to for beating a one-armed man like that. I will say again, show great killer instinct and you can only fight the dudes who are in there with you. But beating Brennan Ward? does not make me think any more about your chances against Yaroslav Amosov, who is one of the very best welterweights in the world.
0: I mean, that's kind of fair. Ward can be a very feaster famine, all or nothing type guy. He's going to go in there and get hit and throw bombs. But I'll say this about Ward, even with one arm, it was a poised, almost patient attack. He had good moments with a power jab. Like I just mentioned, the takedown defense wasn't bad in the first round. He did succumb there to that ground and pound and got finished, although he certainly argued it. I don't know. It was an emotional kind of big win for Storley. You saw that celebration. I did see a turn of the corner that I needed to see from Storley. You mentioned it in terms of the meanness. so positive. But I just saw, I don't know. I saw a guy who looked a little bit more comfortable on the feet than I'm used to, even with him outstriking Neiman Gracie in that five-round fight. I mean, that was a sloppy striking battle. I haven't seen a lot of what I loved in Storley when he does step up to the highest level, although I really respect him. I don't know. I saw a bit of that evolution. Enough to beat Amoslav? No, I mean the first fight was close and it was a, one of the better fights in Bellator history. To be fair, in terms of the back and forth on the ground and the reversals, that wasn't there in the rematch. Amoslav came back after that long layoff and showed us exactly where he's at. Yeah, I get what you're saying. There's some elements. Are you were you okay with the stoppage? Because Jason Herzog went on Twitter and was you know fighting back at all the all the angry betters who who lost their their wager because of this. That stoppage was kosher in your eyes, right? I-
1: who, who was upset with that stoppage? MMA Twitter, was, okay. What <laughs> <laughs> was getting laid into? Like, that's insane to be upset with that stoppage. Like, I know he complained, but he's a fighter. They always do that and, like. That, that's insane to be upset with that one. That was very clearly a fine stoppage.
0: Uh, indeed. Uh, that was the main event there. There was some other decent moments around the card. Valentin Moldowski had a nice bounce back win there, uh, beating Big Steve Mowry after their, their their the first fight ended in a foul. Uh, but I want to hit some other big Bellator key headlines from the last week here. They, they announced the big one there, Bellator 300. It's going to go down October 7th. Four title fights up top the marquee. But before we get into that, did you see that poster that that originally showed Cyborg versus Zingano on it, and it had a phrase? What was the phrasing? I, I gotta look it up. Did, what was the phrasing that that was in question here?
1: Uh, final is oh, look it up because I don't remember. But, the end of yeah. the
0: line or something yeah. like that.
1: Finally, that be- it's over.
0: <laughs> began It began something to fuel like the potential rumor mill notion that Bellator, which knows you know, know all cards on deck, we know. That Paramount, the parent company, parent company of this show, is looking to sell. Will PFL buy it? We're not really sure. John Ash Nash did go hard in the paint on the idea that it ends here. Thank you to uh, Long Island Luke the Prusa. It, it ends, ends here. here was on the poster. A lot of people said, "Well, is Bellator 300 the last Bellator card in history?" Scott Coker at the press conference shot down John Nash and basically said, "No, we're already planning 301 and 302." So as it stands right now for Bellator 300 here. Call up these matchups to give you a uh, a perfect look at this main event. Of course, Ryan Bader defending the heavyweight title in a rematch with Linton Vassell. You've got Cyborg versus Ngano for the women's featherweight title. Usman Nurmagomedov welcomes former champion Brent Primus, and then you've got Liz Carmouche defending her title against the former champion and friend Alima Lay McFarland. How would you grade this, given the historical nature of this Bellator 300 card?
1: One, can we just talk about how funny that poster is? Because the poster is legitimately hilarious. The it ends here, because I can like you can squint your eyes and see what Bellator's saying there. Like, oh yeah, they they're talking about the the cyborgs and Ganu like long brewing rivalry that has hasn't come to fruition. But then you look at it and you're like, except for that's the co main event. When has anybody ever ever put the the catch line or thing about the co main event that's that's just not how it goes. So it's it's an incredible poster. I don't think Bellator's done at three hundred just because we're not close enough to a to a selling deal at this juncture that they're going to at least continue forward and finish out the the lightweight tournament or what the Grand Prix. So I think it's all sort of the same, but it's been incredible like four days for Bellator in that regard. This is going to be interesting. Four title fights, BC. That is a lot of title fights. I remember a few years ago when we were starting to see a couple of three title fights, I think Bellator did it uh, on one of their events. A couple of UFC events have done it. And the question is like, is this going to be like those old school days where suddenly you run late because all three go to decision adding a fourth in really, really muddles it and creates an opportunity for this to be one very long night of fights. But Look, it's your 300 events. Go big. Do something special. Do something splashy for title fights. That's something for a lot of people. So I, I will very much be interested in this. Like, I will I will absolutely be watching this one, and this will probably be the best event that weekend. So that'll be
0: good. Yeah, but you did tease the potential. If the entertainment value doesn't line up, that we could get 20 consecutive title rounds. That's what you're trying to say.
1: It it would be hilarious and very Bellator for it that would. to happen. I, And uh, if you just look at these fights too, man, like Ryan Bader, Linton Vassell feels extremely likely to go 25 minutes. Cyborg Zinganu, like Cyborg's been pretty decision heavy uh, lately. So that could, I would suspect that gets finished, but Usman, Brent Premis, honestly, I have no idea what to expect as far as a finish. Brent Premis looked very good in his most recent fight. And Carmouche McFarland very likely is going 25. So we could be in for, uh, what's that, 200 minutes of fighting? Something like that?
0: <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. A lot of the big names had just recently uh, appeared on that Bellator Rise in 2 Supercard, and then AJ McKee pulled out with injury. We know Patricio Pitbull is expected to be out long with injury. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But I like the, the effort, at least, putting four title fights there. To close on Bellator, how about this headline? Light Heavyweight Champion Vadim Nemkov has said publicly he, he's likely going to vacate his title and move up to heavyweight. Now, when I ask you how do you like his chances, I certainly have to hedge that with the with the notion that Ryan Bader is currently the heavyweight champion, and Vadim Nemkoff stopped Ryan Bader pretty decisively to win that title. But in general, in Bellator, Nemkoff, who's arguably the best light heavyweight in the world at this moment, this is an interesting choice to do this now. Do you like his chances to have that same success one division higher.
1: I mean, in Bellator for sure. Well, one heavyweight is just a much worse division than light heavyweight, which is also a bad division. But if you move up and you're a person of means and talent, you're probably going to have a good amount of success. There may be an upper bound to it, um, but that's frankly more likely in the UFC where like the top heavyweights are just extremely good and very large. So if you don't have both, you can't compete in that realm. But like, is Steve Mowry. Are you, are you picking Steve Mowry <laughs> to beat the team? He just, Steve Mowry just got tackled, tackled laid on by Valentin Moldovsky for 15 minutes. And that's sort of the, an interesting wrinkle to this. I don't, is Nimkov still attached to Fedor team? I don't know if he is like, I know he works with ATT, so I'm not really sure if he's still in the Fedor team or what a, how Valentin Moldovsky would sort of fit into this, but I would pick, nimkov to beat Ryan Bader and Linton Vassell and probably all like if you look at the Bellator rankings Daniel James is is a top yeah. 10 heavyweight like i mean nimkov
0: can make hay his quickness and striking would be a would be a more big big time problem up there uh but i don't know we'll see if Ryan Bader holds on to that title against Vassell it has been a great round i mean are do you subscribe to that notion that Nemkov could be the best 205er on the planet right now
1: i think that it's very possible i have pretty doggedly stuck with Yuri Prohashka. Yeah. Um, and I personally think that outside of accomplishment, Magaman is the best 205er in the world. But to me, it's a three-horse race between those two and and Fadim Nemkov. I, I, if you pick any of those three, I, I don't have an issue with it. And now I guess Alex Pereira's putting himself in the mix as well. Oh, but there. Yeah, those the, those three dudes, I if, if you think any of them are, are the top guy. I cannot argue against you.
0: Yeah, you might be right. By the way, did you see Fedor told Ariel on your network that he wants to box? Come on, we don't, I don't, I mean, come on.
1: Oh, BC, you're underselling it. He didn't just say he wants to box. He said he wants to box Mike Tyson. Get it? You got to give him the whole whole enchilada to eat here. He wants to box Mike Tyson. And I don't know how likely that is. I don't know that Mike Tyson is trying to box, but like, wouldn't it just be very combat sportsy in 2023 to see that fight get made
0: i mean isn't jeff monson boxing um uh oleg tektarov coming up i mean it's not really happening Uh,
1: i have no idea if that's true that's true or they're fighting
0: in some form in their 50s in russia but uh yeah i don't know of course it's in
1: russia just an that's an insane thing yeah i'm done i learned an awful thing
0: I've said this before. We had a nice scene and, I, and the, the whole celebrity crossover boxing bubble is not dead. In fact, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz surprised me on being that interesting, at least, of a fight. Little Dennis might box Logan Paul. And He's not. KSI. Don't, me-
1: don't say it. It's not happening.
0: Okay, it's probably not going to happen. My point is, there's still some air left in the balloon on that, but in general, this whole idea of all-guy fights, influencer fights, it was great. Pandemic wise, it was great when boxing couldn't get in first gear. But with where we're at this year, I, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. You can pull me in. I got pulled into Jake versus Nate. It wasn't bad. I got pulled in, but I don't need Fedor and Tyson. I don't need this stuff moving forward.
1: I, we should have okay. okay. BC, what what if we what if we do Fedor versus Anderson in boxing? Does that does that rope? I mean, you I in I, with
0: I, it? I was on the record for a long time saying Bellator should have backed up a truck to Anderson. Thousand and... percent. To have him fight Fedor for Fedor's final fight on CBS and make it a massive thing. But uh, yeah. um, Yeah. All right. Let's keep it going.
1: I would watch Fedor Anderson. I would watch Fedor I would every day of the week.
0: There are exceptions to this rule. Or Jake Paul.
1: Fedor Jake Paul? Uh,
0: Moving on. Speaking (laughs) by the way, I one time said, what about Jake Paul boxing Nganu on uh, PFL? And people wanted to, like, throw me out of the show. uh, I I also made that
1: joke. It would be really funny. It would. (laughs)
0: Uh, Let's go to topic number three. Speaking of real boxing, it was a sneaky good boxing weekend over the weekend. And I did force you for your participation on the show to sit in there and watch it, Jed. So let's talk about it. Anthony Joshua was supposed to be rematching Dillian White in an interesting fight that would have potentially set up a Deontay Wilder matchup. Well, then Dillian White took every drug that Darrell Big Baby Miller wasn't using. But how about this? How about filling in the Nordic nightmare Robert Hellenius on one week notice? He had just won a fight against a no hoper in Finland. And Jed, I don't know if you saw that video of that highlight, but Hellenius beat up a guy in the back wall in that arena was just all stone. It was like they fought in like a well or something. It was weird. Anyway, I have not
1: seen that shit.
0: We're back in the UK. Joshua takes on Hellenius. And if you only watch the highlight of the seven round, seventh round finish. It was a spectacular one-punch knockout from Joshua, who set it up beautifully with a jab and landed a looping right hand that knocked Hellenius cold. If you remember, Hellenius fought Deontay Wilder, and Wilder's comeback over the past year and got KO'd in round one. But there is a deeper story about this performance from AJ in his second fight under trainer Derek James. There was a lot of criticism, even from the announced team on DAZN leading up to the KO, about AJ's output, about his attitude, about his confidence level. Really, the sustained sort of narratives that have come out of not only AJ's upset loss to Andy Ruiz back in the day that he did redeem against a fatter version of Andy in their rematch, but the two losses to Alexander Usyk, the meltdown in the ring afterwards. Look, it has not been a great run publicly for AJ. Even with the bounce back win against Jermaine Franklin, there was a lot to pick apart in that. Jed, i you, you check this fight out. Can this Anthony Joshua who called out Deontay Wilder afterwards and wants to fight him in January in Saudi Arabia for trillions of dollars. Is this guy back? Is this guy who he once was is AJ still in play to potentially take back over this entire division?
1: Well, look, you're the boxing guy. You're going to have to tell me if he is who, who he was because this sort of just feels like who he is, right? Like, uh, I'm willing to hear the arguments that he's he's with with new team and was working some things out and Lord knows the commentary team was trying to make that case while they were watching him tepidly paw at at Bobby Hell for six rounds or whatever but this didn't look this didn't look like a guy who's going to captivate the masses other than walking off the bus looks great getting off the bus just outstanding physique looks like my ideal image of a professional boxer when you see him standing there like oh that man should be very very good at this
0: he's a video and, game heavyweight look at him i mean he's an adonis it's ridiculous yeah
1: just carved from stone like unbelievable uh like the length in all the right places and then he was just pawing at it and again not a big boxing guy so my uh large exposure to to bob laneus here is him getting just sent to the shadow realm by Deontay Wilder with a little boop right hand, like not even a full one, just a palm in the face and getting killed. And so watching AJ sit here and sort of struggle with him because he was getting touched up. Like he was not never in danger of losing that fight, but he, he got tagged a bunch. Like his face was bloody. It was harder than people wanted it. And Maybe like the commentary team said, he was just trying to get rounds and, you know, work through with his new team on some stuff. And the finish was spectacular, but I come out of that fight thinking really want to see AJ Wilder. Like that's, that's been the fight wanted to see for a very long time, obviously. And Deontay Wilder is just going to kill this Jamoke, Like he is just going to blow his doors off. Uh, And it's, this just sort of feels like who AJ is. He's, He is the prince that was promised, but the promise was a lie. Like he just, it's not, it's not there for whatever reason. He doesn't, doesn't have it all in that way. And so he's, you know, he's going to be a draw. People are going to be interested. I'll, I'll continue to watch his fights. I always watch him fight, watch, I watch all the big names, you know, Deontay, et cetera. But I don't have any expectations that he's getting, you know, to, to win a belt or the unified title in any regard.
0: All right, for a non-boxing guy, I think you just nailed it. Let, let's break this down. I mean, AJ still a star, as you said. In fact, coming out to a full stadium with that violin player. I mean, AJ entrances are always epic on a pride level. I loved it. The
1: showmanship was great.
0: Always is. And if you only watch that highlight, yeah, you can get fired the hell up and and be like, man, he's back, and let's see him in there against Wilder. And I think they will, and it will be a huge fight. But to everything you just said, to what Luke Thomas has believed since the beginning, I think is true. AJ, as it stands now, is setting up to get knocked the hell out. The ghost disappeared that night in, in Madison Square Garden in 2019 against Andy Ruiz. Some people never That's get the funniest back.
1: fight of all time. Yeah,
0: and Me. some people never get back that invincibility, Jed, when it's gone. And it got knocked out of him that night. He won the rematch against the fattest Ruiz ever, but was tepid and, and, and very careful as a boxer. And since then, you know, I, th- I think who nailed it? Paulie Malignaggi, I happened to catch his take ball flipping through Instagram yesterday, and he nailed it. Nailed it completely. He basically said, if the issues were physical, I would think Joshua can turn this around. But the issues here are clearly mental. And I agree with that. Let me break it down how I, break, how I see that. Joshua is still in an identity crisis about who he is as a boxer. I think the Usyk fight showed him wrongly trying to outbox the slickest boxer that the heavyweight division has seen, not named Tyson Fury, in the longest time. And it didn't go well for him, although he was competitive, particularly in that second one. He's trying too hard to be a boxer. This was against a Hellenius who, like you said, look, Hellenius is feast or famine. He was once a huge, bright prospect. Big punch, huge for the weight class, as you saw there. Never quite... Saw it. I mean, he got knocked out by Gerald Washington, which was a huge sign, had the two comeback knockout wins against Kovnatsky to put him back on the map. And of course, you saw what happened against Wilder. It wasn't as if Helenius did bad or was was, was easy to beat. Helenius was difficult. That's what he does. But AJ wasn't confident. He didn't build behind that jab. I didn't love the interactions between him and Derek James in the corner. It just doesn't look like AJ is buying into what they're trying to do there. It doesn't look like AJ is having fun. It doesn't look any more like AJ truly believes in himself. If AJ truly believed in himself... I believe in that rematch with Usyk, he would have done what he should have, which is go in guns blazing. Knowing you can't out slick that former cruiserweight undisputed champion, the Olympic gold medalist, who is just so dynamic. AJ is still in this crisis where, yeah, once Helenius started to slow in this fight about round five, you finally saw a busier AJ. But before that... I wouldn't call it sleepwalking. He was active. He was on the front foot. He just wasn't throwing punches. It just sort of like the, it, there's a disconnect there. And I've never liked the pairing with Derek James, not for stylistic reasons, not for coaching reasons. Derek James, you know, arguably the best trainer on the planet, even with the one-sided loss in Spence Crawford. But I just don't think AJ is buying into anything. I don't know if you saw the DX crotch chop after the knockout. When you mix that with the really bizarre post-fight interview afterwards, not as bizarre as the one after the Usyk rematch where he commandeered the microphone in like a Forrest Griffin versus Tito Ortiz rematch type way. This was more of just him not wanting to really answer questions and sort of trying to shout down the haters in the crowd. I just think AJ right now doesn't know who he is when he's still young enough and still physically able if he commits to being what he does best, yeah, AJ can box. He's won big fights by boxing against the B level, more limited guys. But if he's gonna beat the A guys, the Furies, the Usics, who are incredible slick boxers, he's gotta be the bully. He's gotta be the six foot six jacked guy who's gonna lean on you, gonna use the fact that he can finish you with both hands, that he's a great combination puncher, has a tremendous uppercut that at times reminds you of Lennox Lewis, but the rest of the game doesn't round out and have that same Lennox Lewis reminder. Because AJ is incomplete, he's always been a little bit too muscle bound, but he's made it work, especially when fighting guys who have a, have a gap in their skill set. If they're not technical enough, he can't out technical you. But if he comes into a Deontay Wilder matchup with this sort of indifference in his eyes, yeah, he's going to get absolutely splattered. I mean, Jed, it, it, it's tough for me in my literally in my basement to be like AJ, man you're jacked, you're a finisher, we know that. Just go in there and bite down and try to finish, guys, because, look, it's the heavyweight division. One punch can change anything, and AJ has always had, to be fair, I don't want to say a bad chin, but a, a flashy chin. You can hurt him, right? Dillian White did. Carlos tackham did. You can hurt him, but still, in a heavyweight fight, sometimes it's still about, let's go in there and trade lumber and let's see who's the you know who, who's got the bigger punch and the better chin. In this case, i love to see AJ... I would love to see him use that athleticism mixed with the power and go after people. Him trying to feel out, be the counter-puncher, it's just not going to work, man. It ultimately worked against Hellenius. It's not going to work against Usyk or Fury. And with Wilder's power, man, I do fear for AJ unless he goes into that fight with the mindset that I got to get Deontay before Deontay gets me. I mean, is that fair, Jed? Yeah. So, like...
1: I don't know what to tell him as far as much of this, but at a very basic level, I think most of what you said, I I would fundamentally agree with. He's not having fun. Like did when in the last like X years, has it looked like he has had fun? He had fun when that fight was over and he delivered a KO, but the rest of it looks like a man who is absolutely petrified that something bad is going to happen, that he is going to drop the ball, that he is not going to meet expectations, whatever it is. And just like, I don't know, man, like you're fighting a dude on short notice who is not going to beat you and no one thinks just go have fun in there, like enjoy yourself. And the result is probably going to come in a a much more significant and meaningful way. Like maybe you do get knocked out, but isn't it better to not get knocked out having fun than to get knocked out because you are just throwing nothing but a jab? And no, maybe it's better to get knocked out bit?
0: when you're actively trying to win the fight the best way possible. When you are actively going after the win and you get caught, hey, man, you got caught. I, I'm getting a little sick of seeing AJ being too tentative or trying to be the bot or just thinking too much. In general, he's thinking too much. Yeah, Jed.
1: yeah just go out. Let it all hang out. Just have some fun. You don't have to run recklessly in there. But like you could whatever you're doing, treat every opponent you're fighting as if they, you are fighting me. And you would give them no respect and just see what happens. I bet it'll work out a lot better. I'd like, like to see you that you'll have nastiness. more fun.
0: That nastiness that he's showing now in these post-fight interviews, like that sort of I'd like to see that in the ring. I really would. But hey, big knockout. Yeah. He's gonna it's get It's a huge, huge
1: disconnect. It's a huge True. disconnect between the product produced in the ring and the stuff said afterwards.
0: I do I would like to see him fight both Fury and Wilder before it's all over, considering the amount of money that's being talked about in Saudi. Let's get this wilder fight happening in in January. Look, if he wins it, man, he'd be the he'd be the 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 big gun to fight the winner of this inevitable Fury Usyk fight that inevitably wow.
1: inevitably inevitable. looks like
0: inevitably looks like Fury doesn't want. So there
1: you go I mean, right there. He's I mean not Fury gonna get it once in Ganu knocks him out then it's I, not even going to happen. I mean here's the, well yeah oh, okay.
0: Well I mean here's the deal if if Wilder knocks out AJ I bet you Fury would still want to fight AJ afterwards cuz Fury knows For the sure. money in an AJ fight and all that but uh Man, it, that was, that was, in some ways, that fight was tough to watch on Saturday. Speaking of Saturday in boxing, though, they promised a potential fight of the year. Top Rank did 130-pound title fight, Emmanuel Navarrete defending against Oscar Valdez. And Jed, I think they damn near came close. In the end, it goes down as a unanimous decision for the three-division champion Navarrete, who defended his 130 WBO title. Two of the three scorecards I thought were wider than they needed to be, But these two guys absolutely went to war. It was Navarrete's six-inch reach advantage and awkwardness early. But I got to give Valdez, who always shows tremendous heart, props for the adjustments he made in the middle of the fight, particularly in round six, getting off with those short left hooks, using his athleticism on the inside to pivot. It turned into a bomb burner down the stretch when Navarrete hurt his right hand. Valdez's right eye was closing. You had Marco Antonio Barrera and Eric Morales at ringside. I mean, the Wavos were just bouncing around the arena. Jed, you were forced to sit down and watch this near classic in Arizona. Uh, did it live up to everything I told you it could be?
1: this is awesome. Uh of of the many things, you know, very happy and grateful to be brought on this week. Uh, mostly I'm really happy that you told me to watch this fight because I watch the big fights. Like I will watch every big boxing match and I may throw on Showtime boxing or something. If I'm got nothing else to do and it's on, but not an avid follower of all of the various champions in the various organizations. So this is my first experience with both of these men. I got to tell you, I'm a big Navarrete guy now, <laughs> big Navarrete guy from this. Cause he's a crazy person. Uh, I am not a genius at striking. I'm pretty sure he does everything wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that. Nobody would ever teach you to do half the stuff I saw him do in there, and it was it was electric. Like I couldn't take my eyes off watching this dude. At various points, like trip over his own feet because he's his footwork is bad, and he just sort of like fires punches as oh, there's a window, so even though my feet are crossed and I'm falling this way, I'm still gonna throw this left hand, and just it was incredible to watch him like do the that leaping lunging like left shovel from out of nowhere that consistently found a home he's awesome i'm so in on this dude now so uh this fight ruled it was incredibly fun about that super tough like you said the left hook coming down the stretch he started to really just swing that as hard as he possibly could and it landed a bunch in like a meaningful way i think i had it eight to four or seven to five on watch but, so i it's the scorecards right. seemed fine, I think. Um,
0: well, the scorecards yeah. were like ten to two, nine to. Oh, was there a ten 3?
1: to two? I I wasn't paying that much attention to that. Um, I know that the their the concurrent one was eight four whatever, and yeah, seven five eight four something like that. The fight was just super fun, and now I have a new dude who I'm gonna watch every time he fights because, a guy's. I, he literally tripped over himself throwing punches, which is just oh, incredible. Yeah. I mean, me. he
0: could throw uppercuts from with both hands from about five feet out with that six-inch reach advantage, which is incredible. But here's or the he case, could he throw
1: the, him. He could throw him from two inches in, yeah. like just a random thing, like oh, but Like he's awesome. He's the best.
0: The cowboy they call him El Vaquero. Is that? I don't do. I don't. I don't do any languages, as I dropped a lot huh? of. Jean-Paul, I think Paul Caballero
1: Francais is cowboy
0: over the week. Uh, yeah. So he's the cowboy. So here's the deal. He was the underdog coming in. This is the biggest win of his career by far. He had had those two big wins over Isaac Dogbe on the title level at 122 pounds. He's now at 130. And to be fair, there was some questions about which direct, not which direction Navar- Navarrete is going, but in some ways, how good or great could he be? He had that fight with Liam Wilson where he got dropped early. Didn't look great. He ended up rallying and stopping Wilson. And a lot of people were saying, hey, man, maybe we need to see that again. But they made this fight. Both guys promised the potential, as I said, of a fight of the year. I think they came pretty darn close of living up to it. But this was an upset win, and this is an interesting story. We don't talk about Navarrete a lot. We talk about him as being an action hero. We talk about him as he fights all the time. He got fights fights like every three and a half months. I mean, he's always fighting but it's usually against the next guy in line. There's not a ton of killer names across three divisions on his resume where you're like, oh yeah, great win, great win. I'm just wondering now, beating a guy like Oscar Valdez, who is, you know, I mean, is not that far removed from knocking out Miguel Burchell and moving up in a way to win a second title for the knockout of the year. This is a great win. I'm not ready to put Navarrete on a pound for pound list or anything, but we should start really putting respect on his name, not just for the warrior spirit and, you know, the cowboy hat and the cool tats and all that. But, dude, he's a tough out. It's it's incredible to believe this guy ever made 122 now. He is long. He's awkward. He's he's a man in there. And to have Barrera and Morales at ringside, to have Joe Tess on, on the, that was very cool. the broadcaster ESPN losing his mind and probably his uh, other fluids throughout the whole fight, it deserved it. A huge win. Full respect to Navarrete. And, by the way, Shakur Stevenson, who has fully moved up to 135 and did widely outclass Oscar Valdez, Said, hey, I'll fight Navarrete having a catch weight if you guys want me to. But that's more because apparently Lomachenko turned down Shakur's request to fight. I don't know if you know Shakur well here, Jed, but he's. uh.
1: But
0: if anybody's. Fight. If there's any fighter on the planet who you could say he looks like Floyd, there's some Floyd elements to him. Devin Haney at times, Shakur Stevenson, yes. I mean, this guy's coming. He's coming, okay? Dude, he would probably. Uh,
1: again, probably bad again, I'm sure that real boxing heads will be like, you're an idiot. My my actual biggest takeaway, af- uh, aside from the Navarrete's dope, and I want to watch this insane dude fight, uh, I think it would be incredibly funny to to watch him box Vasily Lomachenko to see the difference in footwork that those two men oh, have yeah. that, that was- <laughs> like I think, I think I could actually watch Vasily Lomachenko completely encircle this man, like actually just walk around him in a circle, and it would be great. <laughs> I would watch that fight. I would pay $100 (coughs) to watch that fight.
0: Indeed, indeed. We also had a Showtime Championship boxing triple header over the weekend from just over the river uh, from D.C. in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Luke Thomas and Stephen Bredman Edwards on the undercard call. That was nice. Uh, Big wins for Manuel Rodriguez, gaining another world title, 118 pounds. Also, Gary Antoine Russell uh, taking out Kent Cruz. But here was the big talk, the opener on this telecast Turned out to be a monster upset via stoppage. So here's the deal: Trayvon Marshall came in with a 7-0 record, a big time sort of tag on him as a hot prospect. He was going in there against Gabriel Maestre, a two-time Venezuelan Olympian who only had seven or six pro fights coming in. He was five, oh, and one coming in. Yes.
1: Sell so, sell me on Marshall, because I don't I I don't had no idea who this was until well, I watched this fight. Like what? why is he so so hyped.
0: He's a good prospect. I've called some of his fights on the on the early prelims there for Showtime. He's he's quick, confident, and aggressive, got a good right hand, all that stuff. But here's the deal. He was coming in against Maestre, who's 36, but was a two-time Venezuelan Olympian and only had six, six pro fights coming in at 5-0-1. But Jed, they set the line here at minus 950 for Marshall, the betting favorite. Now, I hadn't seen this line coming in I would have favored Marshall to win, of course, here, but I wouldn't have favored him by a lot. And what ended up happening? My estray t- turns in a second-round thunderous stoppage to score a big upset. And I get what you're saying sort of after the fact. It's It looks like, man, what did we ever love about Trayvon Marshall? Well, we loved him at a certain level, taking out the guys he was expected to. But I wanted to ask you, because, Jed, I, I did peep your, your uh, LinkedIn page ahead of uh, later on. We're going to have a nice, fun segment, Getting to Know Jed, which you have described as a awkward tinder date between the two of us it says on there that you're a former professional gambler hold that thought right there boxing odds makers the lines as we talk about a lot in the show for friday's okay bet boxing matches are usually a lot wider now i understand setting lines is more about inducing betting activity than necessarily outright telling you this person's going to win by this much but can i ask you professional gambler x why are we so wide in boxing? Why, how, who could have commissioned this fight? My, I want to let people know here, Gabriel Maestre not a household name coming in, but he knocked out Diego Chavez, former world title challenger in his second pro fight. He scored wins over a faded Devin Alexander and a good fighter in Michael Fox. He d- fought to a draw with unbeaten Teres Shelesuk. So this guy had done some things here as a two-time Olympian. How in the hell was this minus 950? And what is going on with boxing line making, in your opinion?
1: So, so I can't speak to this fight in particular uh I will also just say that I'm gonna default to Vegas because I don't know if you've been there but it's it's not a town of poverty uh yeah they tend it, to would it would, it would appear that they're they're doing okay in, in Vegas so I'm gonna assume that they know what they're doing at least in the broad spectrum of things uh but when you said that you know boxing lines are or not just line, like every line is is not to really show maybe a Hey, who's going to win or not? It's going to incentivize betting. Can also just be to disincentivize betting too. Hey, we really don't want to take any action on Trayvon Marshall because we think he is going to win. And so there's just not like if if the lines are low, then everyone will just get on this. And then we're going to be in a position where we're just paying out a bunch of winners. So we're going to disincentivize that. Uh, and occasionally they're going to get hand in the cookie jar. It happens five or six times a year in boxing where some plus a thousand underdog comes through with a big KO. I have no idea why they would have set this line at minus 950. Haven't watched either of these dude dudes fight before this one, but immediately as soon as this fight started, I said to myself, Self, that looks like a grown man fighting a child because it was 36 year old dude fighting a 22 year old. I personally have made this assessment for MMA and other things. I would never trust a 22 year old child with with a heavy responsibility for anything because i was 22 once bc (laughs) i assume at some point in time you were 22 oh would you call yourself reliable would you call yourself a good smart person who maximized the things that you were doing i was an idiot so i wouldn't call
0: myself reliable till about age 33 my wife would probably say i'm not there yet but at 22 i was an abject train wreck Michigan, yeah. Right? I didn't
1: have any, like I had no, uh, sure he can be further along in that aspect of life and sport, but like, he's still a kid. He might wake up one day and his Accutane like F's up his hormones. And he's like, Oh, well, I don't, I'm not feeling it today. Whatever. And you just can't do shit anymore. So I have no idea why you'd ever install a 22 year old kid as a minus a thousand betting favorite. That seems like bad bad principles and i i hope that some people who are more in tune to boxing took advantage because if i wasn't like it wasn't a runaway but i he wasn't winning the fight in my estimation before he got knocked out
0: well he's facing a guy with extreme experience there a two-time olympian had beaten in six pro fights had faced some legit guys so i don't understand that line i believe that was Fanduel who had that line i saw luke thomas tweet that out but uh i I, trevin marshall had looked good but again he'd been fighting the Kind of competition a guy who's one and oh two and oh three and oh four and oh should be fighting. This was a step up and he got stepped down. He did put on Instagram that he's going to bounce back, he you know he's going to learn from this. All good on that regard, but a big win for Maestre and an interesting turn of events there. Uh, to close there, Jed, Jed what kind of professional gambler were you?
1: Oh, uh, I was, I was doing sports betting primarily on MMA. All right, All also. Again, you were checking my LinkedIn. So, like, it's one of those things where you put it on the resume and, like, the total validity of it is oh. a little bit. You're like, I have stuff. placed like, a
0: few bets at times. Does that make me? A I pro did, yet? in
1: fact, have my primary income come from gambling for a period of my life. All right. Hold uh, that thought not, like, until we years. have our date
0: later on today. Okay. Let's keep the train moving. Topic number four. Looking forward. Speaking to it. of Anthony Joshua versus Hellenius there in the UK sold out stadium, everybody was there. Including Conor McGregor, who looked like typical Conor McGregor of late. A little bloated, probably drunker more. That's just me editorializing. Uh, He was ringside. He made a lot of noise. He sat down with uh, Talk Sports' Gareth A. Davis, the warlock himself, to lay out a three-fight comeback plan over the next year or so in the UFC. He also very sloppily post fight Called out KSI to a bare knuckle fight, so basically Jed, this was typical Connor of late, which means I'm not sure this guy's ever going to fight again or should. But let's go piece by piece before I get your reaction on what we did see, because you know Connor's not in the USADA pool, fellas. Yet he thinks he's going to fight soon. Let's listen to Connor's three fight plan here with the Warlock. Zemba, I knew you are fighting. Chandler. You are going to do I, it. I have to, I have to. i have been teasing one. him. I'm going to do that with him, yeah. I'm going to grab him by the <laughs> chest and crap him. That's what I'm going to do. Are we going to see you in another boxing match as well, the second richest fight in history when you fought Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Yeah, man KSO over here, he couldn't box it. He couldn't box eggs if he walked in a f- egg boxing factory, yeah? It's always great hey, to see then you. Then all well, cheers. all right. Chandler next December, and then Gacy BMF, and then we'll do Nate uh, Trudy. Brilliant, cheers, thank you. All right, let's start there, Jed. Um, and if anyone saying "Oh, BC hates Connor," I love Connor. That's why I'm being so harsh because it's obvious this guy's a train. He, this guy is me at 22, but right now, so Jed, um, is he ever going to fight in the UFC again? Is he really fighting? He, you notice, notice the verbiage there? He said Chandler because I have to. That tends that tends notice me to believe the
1: tone. <laughs>
0: that tends that me to the most believe disappointed
1: UFC is, Chandler I've ever heard in my life. So
0: uh, are they going to give him the Brock Lesnar exception or what? What's happening here?
1: Oh, a thousand percent. I've been saying this forever. I don't I'm still not confident he is actually fighting Michael Chandler. I've been pretty adamant that he is not going to fight Michael Chandler. But uh, I'm pretty sure that when he does come back, it will be with the Brock Lesnar exception because they can do it and it will be worth it to them monetarily. And there will be some blowback. But I don't know if you remember. Uh. This crazy thing happened at the beginning of the year. Dana White hit his wife and we moved past that in like three weeks. So I'm pretty sure that the UFC (laughs) can, can take the big bag of money that Connor fighting presents and move past a bad headline or two of, Oh, the exemption, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like the general
0: public is going to be so freaking excited for McGregor Chandler. Like we were when Brock came back that like, even though Mark Hunt deserves a lot of our respect, financial money, a lot. Mark Hunt deserves a lot right now. Brock took the exception, popped for the, an insane amount of PEDs and looked like he was Twice. a superhero, and we're all like, you know what, they'll probably just let Connor do the same thing. And you know what, because membership they? has its privilege, nobody's going to care. You're right,
1: nobody's going to care. Why wouldn't they? Like, I've seen some people be like, oh, the fighters would be pissed. They're like, sure, they would. Why does the UFC care? <laughs> do do they care at all? No, like, the fighters should have been mad when they got cut out of four Billy. And they didn't do shit then. They're not going to do shit because Connor gets to fight again. So whatever. Like, the UFC is just going to do it on whatever timeline Connor wants because it's worth a lot of money. And one bad headline isn't going to kill him. So I'm really not sure he's fighting Chandler. Uh, I do think the thing he outlined there is the actual, like, correct path forward of come back, fight Chandler, assuming he wins if he can win. Big assumption there. Fighting Gaethje for the BMF belt or whatever. Totally reasonable. And then after that, uh, the Nate trilogy has sort of just been waiting forever. So I think that makes a ton of sense on a timeline. Um,
0: Dude, if we get to the Nate trilogy, if we actually get to the Nate trilogy, the odds of Connor losing both the Chandler and Gaethje fights would be huge. um would
1: kill him, right especially
0: now. by knockout in both. If it had, you know, yeah, could he beat Chandler? Of course. Could he beat Gaethje? It's possible. Of course, it's possible. But what has what over the past year has given you any level of confidence that it's still likely? No. That's why I'm saying I love the guy, but, but uh, you know, I'm kind of done. Dude, if we get to the Nate Diaz fight, though, remember, remember, both of these first two fights were in 2016. Dude, this is going to look a lot like Robbie versus Nick Diaz Part 2. It will. And that was some of the saddest, grossest shit. I know a lot of, like, hardcores are like, no, man, that fight was great. They went to war. No, that was some of the saddest, grossest MMA shit I've seen in a while since. It's not necessarily uh, the heart attack match between uh, R.I.P. Kimbo and Dada, but... Dude, that's it's it's going to be gross. Like you, they here's what I'm saying. They probably should just do Connor Nate now. Why would you line up Connor to lose to these guys? Your answer would be because we made them ultimate fighter coaches, and they're supposed to fight at the end. But uh, there's, I don't know. So here's the other part about Connor. I
1: would agree they should do Connor Nate now, but Nate's indisposed at the moment. So,
0: do you believe, by the way, Nate's manager saying he made like upwards of twenty million in that fight?
1: Yes i do believe that's that. a
0: lot of freaking money wow uh so some i've editorialized you know remember when connor got caught in the bathroom with that woman at the at the nba finals halftime you know and then connor's caught in oh, a lot of Andrew. a lot of videos with women and people were like finally people are like bc in my dms they are like yo obviously he's got an open marriage man stop worrying about this guy's personal is life is he married well, are they married
1: because uh, i don't know if you watch i'm actually that. not sure if they're married he and D devlin i don't know if they're married
0: I don't know, but they really portrayed him during Connor's documentary as the ultimate family man. Let's go to the videotape. Here's how Connor arrived to the fight
1: documentary
0: on Saturday. Um, Yeah, it looks pretty open to me, Jed. Probably not my business to say that out loud, but yeah, that's where we're at. And then you mentioned it and a lot of people mentioned it, including Luke Thomas angrily on Twitter. After the fight, Anthony Joshua had gone through the ropes to go celebrate outside Connor brought out one of his forged Irish stouts. I
1: saw this live and it was the funniest thing in the world.
0: Meanwhile, AJ's nose is still gushing blood from that fight. That's uh that's something right there. Uh, what do you think happened to the rest of that beer? You think Connor chugged it?
1: Probably. Uh, he didn't throw it at anybody, I don't think. So he probably just finished it off later. The the AJ thing is incredible. I did not see the bus entry. I I missed that. Um Look, I'm not here to judge his personal no, life and that. Not my part. If if yep, not mine. If he and his uh I, again, I don't think they're married. If they are, then if he and his wife are okay. If not, he and his fiance, whatever makes them happy, I'm fine. Hands makes off. Them on happy, it
0: can't be that bad, right?
1: I agree. Who is that? Cheryl Crow. Yeah, yes, that <laughs> is Cheryl Crow. Is. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh but yeah, the forcing uh the awful beer. <laughs> day after the win dude that's the thing like that's remarkable
0: connor is so far past caricature right now and it kills me because dude where he was on top of the mountain after the eddie fight will just never be rivaled and if you want to say who cares about the second half of his career look at the money he made against floyd look at you know he got into the biggest fight in MMA history against Habib. look at all this stuff yeah but the second half of his career has been not only a train wreck, it's it's just missed opportunity after missed opportunity for the the biggest, greatest lightning rod in the history of the sport. A guy who has fueled so ma- so much fandom and financial success for the company, and to see him in the final years here, while he still may or may not potentially have it, not using it, or I mean, it's 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 rough. It's been rough, but I got to get over that and move on. Speaking. <laughs> Of really (laughs) worthless super fights that may or may not ever happen like Chandler versus Connor for the tough coaching championship. There's this another one, topic five, that we hate talking about. And that's Zuck versus Musk, the billionaire battles. It's like Trump versus McMahon part two there from WrestleMania all those years back. So here's the latest update yesterday on threads, whatever meta induced social platform that is at Zuck has revealed that, yeah, it's time to move on from this fight. Let's go to the screen grab here from Luke Thomas's Twitter. Zuck is saying, I think we all can agree that Elon isn't serious. It's time to move on. I offered a real date. Dana offered to make this legit for charity. Elon won't confirm. Then he says he needs surgery. Now he has to do a practice round in my backyard instead. And they did share those leaked text messages. Somebody did, if they're real or not, I don't know, online. And then he says, if Elon ever gets serious about a real date, he knows how to reach me. Otherwise, time to move on. I'm going to, Bob, I don't care where you're going, Zuck. Leave me alone. Um, the other updates before I get your reaction here, Jed, was previously Elon Musk had tweeted out, can we throw to that one, that uh, he doesn't want the UFC to be invi- involved at all. In fact, he says this, this fight would be managed by, him and Zuck's foundations, the live stream would be on their platforms. And he's referencing a comment Dana White made on the Mike Tyson Hot Boxing podcast where Dana White said, I had just had a meeting with the Minister of Culture in Italy about doing this fight at the Roman Coliseum. Well, Zuck says it's over. I don't know if I should ask you, like, your reaction, because obviously your reaction is like, I'm glad, F this. But in, in in your in the people versus Dana White in 2023, his shameless like lust for this fight, is it the worst part of Dana's public you know, we've had wife slap, no. power slap. We've had a lot of bad Dana moments this year. The the Zuck versus Musk charade I mean, can, uh, we, can uh, we can we fill out good undercards and get out of the apex here and stop worrying about this BS, please?
1: I'm fine with it from Dana on this one. Um, it's better than when he hit his wife. So, you know, at least we're not doing that anymore. It's great. Uh, no, this is, I, I get this one, which is why. Like, I, maybe at some level can understand Power Slap, at least the idea behind it, but it's a very silly and stupid idea that's not going to work. So you should abandon it and at least not shove it down my throat. But I've also largely, like, I'm not nearly as anti power slap as many other people in this space are. I just kind of don't care and I don't have to engage with it in that way. I totally get this one because in the thing where he says he talked to the minister of Italy or Italian commerce or whatever it was, he very explicitly is like, hey, uh, this would be the biggest fight in the history of the planet. Um, I think that this would do a billion dollars in revenue. And while maybe that's high, the other parts of it are all right. If these two dudes ever were to fight, it would be a cultural event on of the, the likes we haven't seen in at modern times. You're saying this it would, would be, be bigger than
0: Joe Frazier versus Muhammad Ali part 1 at Madison Square Garden. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Get the oh, god. I hate... If that's not, true that's I from hate this quality,
1: sport. it's not from quality obviously, but more people would watch that fight than anything other than the World Cup maybe, like legitimately. Like cuz the World Cup does like a billion viewers or whatever globally. Outside of that, like I don't think anything's gonna touch what these two actually fighting would do. So I get Dana's play for the money. Like, hey, you gotta WME's got that got that loan note carry on, then gotta <laughs> pay off. Like that, that can cover it all. Sure. So I get it. Um, so it's fine with it. Um, it's is it shameless and stupid? Of course, but this whole thing has been very dumb. Uh I I think it's been very funny. I can you just think of how deranged a person you have to be to make Mark Zuckerberg come off as like a totally chill, reasonable guy. Like think about the the character Zuck was like six months ago, even and now like, oh yeah, he's the rational one. He's like, he's the guy I'd rather have a beer with than this insane dude who's making the worst jokes possible and clearly ducking the fight. Like he clearly doesn't want anything to do with Zuck. So it's it's insane um i will
0: when they announced that i did play devil's advocate with luke and and i agree with you if it happened it would be just a bizarre crossover have to see it the whole world would stop i guess dana's shame level of lusting after this was only compared in in terms of his like i will get habib to get out of retirement watch and then you know 18 dinners later habib's like no i promised my late father leave me alone i want to go get fat right so it's like yeah i don't know maybe i'm too deep in the in the anti-dana weeds this year because he's made me maybe that's what happened okay
1: yeah no no. this is this is not even close to the worst things dana's done in a while this is this is fine like i i totally understand and can even appreciate this one
0: so there's Um, this thing in pro wrestling fandom sometimes jed where You know, there can be short-lived factions in pro wrestling, like, you know, duos or whatever, or slogans that get popular and they make a t-shirt about it where you could say as a fan, hey, that's the lamest shit I've ever seen, but I better buy that t-shirt now because in five years it'll be hilarious to roll that out, right? Like Zufa boxing t-shirt, for example. Is there any part of you that's like, you know, I might secretly pick up one of those Zuck versus Musk at the UFC shop just so 10 years from now at like, you know, growing out with my boys, I can pop everybody, no?
1: No, I I will do everything in my power not to give either of those gentlemen any of my dollars uh, or contribute in any way to their They're reading your emails right
0: now, just so you know.
1: Oh, and that's fine. Um, Look, they I'm sure they have a lot of dirt on me and that's okay. I will. If this thing ever did happen, which it won't. I don't. It's it's not real. It is extremely false. If by a miracle it happened, I would campaign heavily to attend as a media member and, and to cover it live because why not? Why not yeah. be part of the circus? The circus is fun sometimes, uh, even if it's really, really stupid. which yeah, is I, what I this mean, would be.
0: It's hard for me to get all uppity and be mad because I like a lot of circus in my combat. But this is ex- this is extreme. But hey, uh, I yeah, love fifty-two year old in my combat, <laughs> fifty-two year old the uh, Elon who, I mean, is Twitter really called X? I don't know what's happening in the world anymore. Let's move on. But Zuck is pretty fit. And speaking of being fit, dude,
1: Musk is afraid of him, and he's calling him a chicken. It's incredible. He's also uh, like. This is incredible.
0: It's yeah, incredible! it's lame as Whole shit. Thing. Uh, before we get to know Jed a little bit better here, talking about Zuck's FitBod, how about we talk about our sponsor? FitBod, yes, all right. Here's what I'm going to tell what you. What a
1: segue. About.
0: It's so perfect. This summer, all right, do you want to transform how you work out? I already told you how you can change your skin, but if you're a washed POS like myself, who's really been committing to that 20 minutes a day with the weights to try to turn this black liver around, Well, how about this? FitBod workouts can fit into my routine. They can help keep me motivated. And I'm seeing the progress this summer that you could be seeing. I'm talking about smart technology. It's all around us, but you wouldn't use a printed map. Would you Jed when you're for your phone's GPS? No, you would be using technology to improve your workout. It's the same thing with FitBod's technology. I can improve my workout by creating routines that I can stick to and so can you. So if you're looking to push your limits at the gym or jumpstart your fitness routine, FitBod can help. It's an app that creates customized workouts based on your goals, fitness level, and available equipment. It learns from your previous workouts and adapts as you improve. Hey, guys, it does the work for you. It's the perfect companion to help you crush your fitness goals this summer. You can easily keep track of your achievements and personal bests with FitBod's progress, tracking charts, learn new movements the right way with over 100 demonstration videos God, this app help, helps keep your gym sessions fresh and fun by mixing up your workouts. So MK viewers, if you want to get fit with FitBod, here's what I need you to do. It's not too late for those summer fitness goals. There's still time. You can try FitBod today. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at FitBod.me slash combat with a K. So that's F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash combat that you can get your 25 off maybe you can fit back in to those medium t-shirts jed that's that's not asking too much right when you're i mean jed how old are you oh, for mediums how for old are you you're not, a lot. i mean you're not as, 35 you're not as, okay you so you're still in the game right still in the
1: game out okay. there uh I respect whoever wrote that copy because they're clearly a young person. That was off the, the part about, yeah Oh, well then, did you never do the map quest? Because you didn't ever print out a map in directions Yeah, to I've get done places? that many times. Because <laughs> I absolutely did that.
0: All right, uh, without further ado, we know Jed is not quite washed, but what else do we know about Jed? Hey, if you're, if you're new to this guy, like I recently was,
1: Welcome to the to... party, pal.
0: Yeah, it's time to play Getting to Know... Jed Mashu, the second. There it is right there. Look at that quick graphic that they worked up right there. Jed, similar to what Luke has done with Ebron lately filling in for me on Vacation, I've got seven power-packed questions here for our MK award-winning listeners to find out more about your degenerate ass. Are you ready?
1: I don't know, but uh, let's do it. <laughs> okay.
0: Topic number, Can question number one, Jed, your aforementioned LinkedIn page says you have, get this, Jed, <laughs> you actually, apparently you did get this, a doctorate in law from Georgia State <laughs> University. Holy shit, dude, I'm a college sure dropout. Do. Oh my God. So here's my question, Jed. Congratulations, first of all, didn't see this coming. Why the hell are you covering cage fighting for a living, dude?
1: Uh, It's funny you say that. I sometimes have that... Exact thought. When things get real dumb and you're doing like you're deep into covering a Bellator card when it's been a thousand decisions and you're like, I could be an attorney right now. <laughs> Why did I make this choice with my life? The answer is because being an attorney largely sucks. Uh, if anyone out there is watching this and is an attorney, I bet they agree with me because most of the attorneys I either went to law school with or I know outside of it are like, uh, just a lot of the job is is really trash. My personal experience of it was. Uh, The only fulfilling work paid like shit because you're doing, you know, public defense or whatever, which is extremely stressful and pays like shit. Uh, But at least you're doing something that feels meaningful or all the things that pay really well are morally uh, questionable, to say the least. So I bounced pretty quickly into my law career. I was like, this just isn't for me. Let's find something else. But, dude, you
0: did the work. You got a doc. You're a doctor. You're Dr. Jed Meshu. Number two. That's true.
1: Technically, that is true. Yes. I do have a doctorate. I can go around. Most attorneys do not do so, but Dude, if I'm trying to be This is the same conversation
0: I, I had with Luke Thomas when he revealed to me that he was formerly a Washington DC speech writer for some of the most famous politicians over the last 20 years. I'm like, why are you covering Bellator from South Dakota then? Um, congratulations, Jed. I mean, you've, you've turned this into a very viable career. You're a full-time writer, a heck of a podcaster, but... Uh, if I should step outside of the law, can you defend me?
1: Not now. I can't. I let my bar by bar passage lapse because uh, wow. I, I did, wasn't going to use it. I mean, I could get it back if you like really needed me to, I guess. But yeah, let's you see you what happens me? with this. Whole... You want me making yeah. your case <laughs> for you? <laughs> let's see
0: if I end up getting fired for something. I said, I'll... were you on the defense or were you for the good guys? Where were you?
1: Uh, I largely did plaintiff work
0: interesting stuff there question number two on getting to know jed which fight is most responsible for igniting your mma fandom
1: Ooh, that's a really good question so i've been an mma fan for a very long time uh i first got introduced to it pre uh like 2002 2003 uh when i was in high school uh just making that transition up from middle school to high school but I wasn't like deeply ingrained in the sport. I just kind of would see some fights every now and again. I think the, f- it's very, very stupid. Uh, the first season of tough, like did a lot to sort of make that more accessible. Um, I think the first fight that I really watched and was like, this is very, very dumb, but I'm now, I'm now all in was it, it's either fe- fatal versus Zulu Cause that was just, hilarious <laughs> and, and and I watched that clip like a billion times uh I think the first pay-per-view that was ever like a really big one was uh Matt Hughes Frank Trigg 2 um I that watched that paper was that the
0: slam the running slam or was that the first
1: one I mean they were both the same but yeah um yeah the running slam finished like that was I think that was the first pay-per-view I ever watched with like some friends and was like oh this is very very cool and then I started to do the forum thing a little bit you know being an internet kid and uh then when Fedor beat Zuluzinio I was like this rules <laughs> this is this is it for me I'm here now
0: <laughs> I didn't expect Fedor Zuluzinio but uh everybody does have a entry point uh I watched early UFCs on Black Box pay-per-view uh the first four or five like a lot of oh, people wow. and I was in and out on fandom I mean I watched like remember when UFC would be on Best Damn Sports Show a lot they like Shamrock yes. and be on there and Couture. I was watching In and Out then, but it was really the uh, the uh, Chuck Liddell getting knocked out by Rampage was the fight that that brought oh. me back on like a deep level because I was working at ESPN and that was the first time they took it seriously. That they were like, "There's something in this sport." You know what I'm saying? That
1: was, that was the that was the first fight that I probably spent like the most time thinking about as them doing them doing that rematch and like it was so built up and i was like i really don't know who to pick chuck has looked so good but like rampage already has the win blah 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 and then it was over very very quickly and i was like oh i'm an idiot
0: yeah chuck was on the cover of espn the magazine at that point which was like a really big deal for cage fighting there you go indeed uh not quite roger huerta on sports illustrated but question number three jed michu what is your alcohol drink of choice
1: oh this is easy. Um, I am from the South. I was born and raised in the South. Uh, I've functionally lived in the South my entire life, except for a brief period where I lived in Vegas doing the gambling thing. Uh, give me bourbon and my, we can start there. And then my mixer is going to either be ginger ale or sweet tea. You can do it neat. Wow. But if I'm, if I'm having several, I will need a mixer. I'm not that manly.
0: That's very South of you. I like that. I like that.
1: I'm extremely Southern.
0: There it is. All right. Uh, as bourbon a... and
1: sweet tea is the drink of the gods, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that. I'm not a bourbon guy. You know, I, I mean, I got a block. It'll liver, change
1: your life, but... BC. Yeah, Next time I'm... you come to the A, I'll introduce you. You'll never go back. I'm also a wild turkey, is my casual bourbon of choice for those wondering.
0: All right. There you go. But you can buy all you single ladies can buy, or single men, depending on your lean Jed, can buy you a drink when they see you out. Thank you. Question number four getting to know Jed better. Uh, as a former pre-established professional gambler living in Las Vegas. What was your most degenerate rock bottom moment?
1: My most rock bottom moment was earlier this year. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of this BC. Um, Valentina Shevchenko been a pretty big supporter of her. And uh, against Tyler Santos, I very boldly put my entire gambling bankroll on her. And that was a sweat. It was a big, big sweat. And then I was like, you know what? Alexa Grasso, she can't win this fight. There's just nothing I've seen her do has led me to believe that she can win this fight. We ran it back. And um,
0: oh, boy, uh, you lost it all, dude. You lost it all. Lost
1: lost the entire gambling bankroll, which wasn't fun. Is that Didn't more than a month's lot. rent?
0: It's more than a month's oh, rent. It's
1: was, it was certainly more than a month's rent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm not destitute because I'm not. I'm smart enough not to gamble with money I don't have to lose. Yes. But uh there's a clip running around in the internet somewheres of me. It was I was I was on the MMA Fighting Watch Party for that fight with the esteemed Mike Heck and Connor Burks, and we watched it live. So you can see a live reaction Ooh, to I gotta look at that uh, to a man losing um a substantial sum. <laughs> So was money. it the
0: opposite of watching Robbie Fox celebrate uh, Connor beating Donald Cerrone from ringside with his uh, laptop yes. cam? It was the opposite of that, right?
1: It, it w- probably wasn't like the worst moment of my life because there are more important things that have happened out there. But like, it wasn't a good one. It's pretty no, that's bad. Not, that's so not a good uh, one. yeah, we 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 got we had to recover. Um, but I, I'm trying to approach it with a rosy outlook. I might just run it back again because now my gambling bankroll is much, much smaller since I had to start over. Yeah. But that is absolutely my most decent moment for sure.
0: I am ai am a very limited gambler, just dabbled over the years here and there. But there was a point in my gross years in my early twenties where I was like, you know what, if I don't come up with some type of cash, I'm going to have to move back home and that would be shameful. So I'm going to drive an hour to Foxwoods and put my entire what I've got left down on like an all or nothing roulette 50 50 type bed. And oh, yeah. And you know what happened? What I drove move. there and I walked in and I didn't have the balls to do it. And then I was like, okay, this is good. This is the end. This is the end for me. Okay. This is it. This
1: is it. So but I turned around and drove
0: right back home. It's was, that
1: was very reasonable of you, but yeah. the story is much better if it you is. do it and then it, it comes is. up green.
0: Uh, question number five. This is more of a you know, question named uh, your boy BC, but I'm curious. Uh, Jed, in your opinion, who's the greatest strawweight in UFC history? Ooh. And I don't mean who's your favorite IG follow, you dirt hole.
1: <laughs> I don't follow any fighters on IG. It's just, it's too hard. There's a lot of them. Uh, I think it's Yanni and JJ. I think that I feel comfortable calling Yanni and JJ the best strawweight um,
0: even though history. Rose beat her twice and Whaley twice, are you serious?
1: Yeah. Um, you could make a very compelling argument for Rose. I'm not here to say Rose is even wrong. But for me, when you are one half the losing half of the worst fight in modern history, um, you that, that's a big point against you. Yeah, um, yeah. Ro- Rose's Rose's rematch with Carlo was yeah. awful in a way that really makes me like reevaluate her whole career um and maybe that's unfair but like you and I have had this argument about other fighters and other things i put a ton of stock in in title defenses and being at the top of the mountain and yeah joanna has done that more than anyone i think waylee has a chance to sort of take the reins but i also think tatiana suarez is, is she coming and I don't know how that works out for Wayleigh. Dude, so, I got
0: Rose's got some balls moving up to fight Farot at, at one, a, two, five.
1: It's a very questionable move. Um, I think she's gonna do well against she Giro, needs she said she
0: needs things that scare her at this point in her career. Esparza apparently didn't scare her.
1: I don't un, I don't understand that or like and. Look, if, if that's the case, then okay, maybe that's no. It, it brings she like, thinks
0: it brings out the best in her when she's not expected necessarily to dominate, as opposed to the opposite. And I do understand that we're all human, yes. Jed. We're all human. Okay, don't talk about my ladies like this. All right, yeah. At Ioana's some a good point, answer.
1: she should have been scared that she wasn't doing anything and was going to lose her belt to Carla Brinkin yeah. Esparza.
0: Joanna is the most decorated and absolute savage. Arguably, my favorite fighter ever. Let's keep it going. Number six, Ooh. Jed. What was the most white trash part of your Georgia upbringing? Let's be fair. Let's put all the cards on the table here. Cause you know, I, I grew up eating at Seven Eleven a lot. You know, people know this about my raccoon past.
1: (laughs) So this is an easy one. I, this has never come out in any of the stuff I've done over the last like seven years. Um, but you're going to love this piece. (laughs) This is going to be your favorite piece of information ever. Uh, for my entire, uh, youth until I was 17 years old. I had a rat tail, <laughs> and I want to be, cl- be. I had one in fourth clear. grade,
0: dude. Then I cut that off. All right, come on. I, w-
1: I want to be extremely clear when I say I had a rat tail. Uh we're not talking about like a rat tail, like we're talking about a rat tail. Oh, like, I had a rat tail. I s- I'm from Savannah, Georgia. I swear to God, if you ask anyone relatively close to my age range from that city if you know who Jed Mishu is, they may say no, like, right. Like it's, it's a, it's a town. It's not like small, but it's not big. But if you ask basically anyone relatively my age range, you remember the kid with the rat tail? they will be like, sure do kid played soccer with the rat tail. Yep. (laughs) It's (laughs) the easiest answer in my life. I've, I've hidden that fact for, for the last seven. Did you have a nickname?
0: Did they call you like
1: a lot you, of people called me rat tail.
0: That's a fantastic nickname. Cause when I think rat tail, I think like tough guy rat tail, like Lucas Matisse in boxing, you know, like, no, like I'll no, kick, no. no, you've got a dirt hole. Rat no, this tail.
1: was, this was, this was yay long, maybe slightly oh, bigger God. and braided. I'm First of forever. all, I
0: need a picture for the next time you appear. And second of all, I'm going to guess you were celibate during those years. <laughs> uh,
1: look, it didn't. <laughs> I maintain strongly that it turned me into who I am today. Because when I was really small, I would just fight everybody who like picked on me and nobody picked on me. And then, um, you stop being five or whatever and people grow at different rates. And then you start trying to punch people who make fun of you and, uh, you start getting your ass beat. So you can't, you can't pick fights anymore because it's no longer whoever throws the first punch wins. So then I just turned into me. Um, look, it probably wasn't the best choice that's ever been made. It just sort of happened, uh, it, it just, it happened. And then there it was. And then oh. it finally left. And you are correct, BC. Uh Upon its exit, I had much more success. Yes. Certain You're like, of put life. me in,
0: coach. I'm now ready to play. Yeah. So I, from ages 18 to 20, I had an on it. So I can only grow face. I still can't grow facial hair, as people can see. But uh from 18 to 20, the only place I can grow facial hair was on my chin. So I had a goatee that curled under like the grossest goatee but i was just so happy that i could finally grow something i didn't have to shave until i was like sorry i didn't have to shave with shaving cream by the way until i was like 21 so the fact that i could actually grow something in one spot i just let it go and it like it it curled under like disgustingly by the way real quick nugget i worked at mcdonald's uh beginning in 1995 and they had a no facial hair rule below the lip i've told this story before how I, I had a date my senior year of high school that was coming up, so and I had a good goatee going, so I put a Band-Aid over it to make it look like I was injured so I could work the cashier. <laughs> but they had this thing in the back in the first aid kit called the Community Razor. And if you showed up for work with a five o'clock shadow and hadn't shaved it, the manager would say, go use the Community Razor, which had no shaving cream and had been used before by many people. And you were were expected to dip it in hot water and just shave off. I mean, this is, you know, would you be surprised that when I worked at McDonald's, they still sold pizza and I've seen pizza dropped on the floor and picked right back up and served many
1: times. I didn't know that McDonald's ever sold pizza. They did,
0: but it was wonky because it took a half hour to to to, And it's
1: McDonald's. Yeah,
0: well, then it's McDonald's on top of that. Uh, Finally, number seven, Jed, I just found out, and you and I talked about this pre-show. I had no idea, and I apologize that you didn't come onto my radar until relatively recently, Jed. I don't know if that's a me problem or a you problem. I didn't know you worked with Luke Thomas at MMA Fighting. In fact, you guys did some videos together through the years. So here's my question which unintentionally funny luke thomas character quirk is your favorite to laugh at
1: Ooh, i don't know if it's a character quirk but i'm not sure people recognize that luke is just a gigantic person and it it just thrown me off every time i've been around like him, bigfoot like, Silva physically. level
0: giganticism or what
1: i mean not like maybe not that big but like just just a very large individual and so like you're like, you're a young, you know, whatever I was a 27-year-old kid or whatever, going to meet the MMA fighting team and like oh, Luke Thomas, who I've watched for years, and all this stuff, and like everybody else, like Ariel Hawani's like a little taller than than average or whatever. But then you just get and you're like, Luke looks like three people stacked on top of each other. And it's just very offsetting, given because yeah. the rest of the time you see his face in one of these boxes, and it's like, oh, and so. That feels to me that his general hatred for the South also was was wonderful for us in our first first meeting, as I'm extremely Southern, as you can figure out by this point. And he's like, Yeah, I know Georgia. I'm from Georgia. I hated Georgia. Went to high school there, it was shit. Um, he made fun of me for using the word yonder once, um, which was and just his general, general dislike of the South is also quite amusing at times
0: i mean he just likes the north too to be fair he really only likes washington dc he's disowned yeah. his home nation of india i mean he's really just yeah yeah
1: all right I, i've um, never been to india so i can't say whether that's a good or a bad choice for him dc is lovely to his, to his credit it very is very, i very actually nice
0: I, I finally was able to visit it at length on vacation with my family last year and yeah and then we've covered a gervonta davis fight there earlier this year it's it's what it's wonderful i love it oh my my favorite Slash hate Luke character quirk is um, I don't know if you know this about him, but on the road, he orders te- sometimes three full meals at once, waits an hour for it to get cold because, quote, that's the way I like it. And then we'll pick at like one of the meals and then throw all three away. What? All the time. He does this what, all the time. What
1: kind of meals? Like, is he eating cold fries?
0: Yes. Yes, like he'll get,
1: he'll get, that's an actual psychopath move. Like that's serial killer shit. Now
0: people know I love Luke, but I'm not afraid to call out his missteps publicly. And, and, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Like
1: like cold pizza. We can, okay. Cold pizza's all right. Cold French fries. You're, you know, unacceptable. It's not socially acceptable behavior. That
0: doesn't reheat. It's worse than fish. I mean, come on. You know, yeah,
1: it's wow. That's real I'm, I'm sad to know that now i think Um, less of Luke.
0: So I had a good time in Quebec. Uh, vis- I I by the way, I drove through the the towns where my great grandparents were from. People forget, Jed, that I'm 50% French Canadian. People forget that often cuz they think I joke about my nationality, but I was shocked at how much I felt like at home in Quebec. Like I felt like I belonged. I am
1: shocked that you're French Canadian.
0: Even with the language barrier, I felt like people liked me, they welcomed me. I felt like I belonged until I, I had like this mild case of food poisoning and all the sugar and sauces basically turned me into a black liver piece of crap. The first four days I was like, this is where I belong. Do you think I should challenge Ariel to like a Quebec off and almost the reverse racism DDP Izzy type thing? Whereas he's like, do the 28 and me thing. Who's the real Mr. Quebec? I'm willing to do that. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not going to do the schmo challenge to a basketball game thing, although I think I could house Ariel there. But do you think I could I could be the real Mr. Quebec? this
1: well look uh, look i'm sure sh- i'm sure that quebec is not it's not a monolith right you've you've got montreal and the city folk and and the sort of you know higher end people who can you know talk to talk to other people and engage with them socially and you know i've watched letter kenny i i know about the the canadian the canadian roughnecks and just dudes out there being in real low, low bottom like you. So it's just different kinds of Quebec. I don't know. I don't know enough to know who would win in in a Quebec off, but until you're rocking like an expo hat, you're probably at least the underdog. I'm not
0: going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Remember when Ariel forgot he was a Knicks fan when the Raptors won the championship and he was like parading around on there. You know, I I remember Ariel. I remember that though. (laughs) But shout out to Ariel just the same. Uh, Let's close with this. Uh, Jed, it's your debut here. So you got to sit in and do the Luke thing. Uh, what I did when I got home from vacation last night from visiting the beautiful Lauritian Mountains, I think you pronounce that there, outside of Montreal and Quebec, I scoured the globe, Jed, to find the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in-between in combat sports. Some people call this BC's feces. I call this, have you seen this shit? So this is the most exciting part.
1: Oh, God. ow? Oh, ow? Oh.
0: Jed, let's see if you saw any of this shit. Number one, here's where we start. BKFC in Albuquerque. No, I'm not going to show you videos of some famous TikToker that my kids got all excited about getting into a fight. What's that guy's name, by the way?
1: Uh, Bryce Hall. It was trash. All right. It was absolutely trash. I, I had to, to watch it. It was trash. I,
0: I'm here to celebrate this man, John Dodson, who captured the inaugural BKFC Featherweight Championship with a first-round TKO of JR Ridge. Jed, from the very beginning, Dodson looks like he belongs in this decrepit sport.
1: Dude, he found it. Like, I'm so happy for John Dodson because he was so much fun in MMA. Like, he came the closest to beating DJ, uh, sort of at the peak of DJ's powers. And... No,
0: no, come on. That was, uh, that was. Uh, didn't McCall fight him to like a split decision?
1: Oh, I guess that's true. But that uh, they went to, uh, they should have gone to a draw. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dodson dropped DJ several times. Like, He's he's just always been an electric, really fun fighter. And this seems to match up super well for his skill set. That fight was kind of garbage. He should have won like way earlier than he did. The the referee stopped it because he pushed the dude down, but he didn't really push him down. It sort of just happened after he punched him in the eye. And then Homie got like five minutes to recover from being punched in the eye, which is legal. It was a super weird thing, and then it didn't matter because John Dotson rules. So Super happy for him. Him versus John Lineker and bare knuckle uh would would Ooh. be my Nirvana. And Ooh. like just be the best thing that's ever happened in combat sports. But until then, I'm happy to just keep watching him do this because it it rules.
0: Yeah, he has embraced it and he's got quick hands and he gets after it, man. It's really it's it's fun to see him just like Mike Perry, who just re-signed, by the way, with BKFC. They sent out a press release probably to life-changing money once again. It's it's good to see people. Because there's a lot of people that use BKFC as the last stop on the combat highway, and that's when it gets really sad. These are people who are thriving. They're thriving here. I'm I'm down with that. You know, the same thing with Lorenzo. uh, What's the guys? There's been a few of these. Lorenzo Hunt, is that what I'm talking about? There's been a few of these guys who have bounced. Hector Lombard said some big ones.
1: What we needed, and what I'm the saddest thing that's happened in MMA this month is that Derek Lewis re-signed with the UFC. Because Derek Lewis and BKFC was all I ever wanted in my life. And I know you would have loved that too, BC. Like who, who didn't want to see that? And now we'll never get it. And that's a shame.
0: Uh, Speaking of Dotson, talk about this celebratory uh, celebratory backflip and dance after getting the win, it was good to see him so happy. Look at that athleticism right there. He's like a human
1: emoji. The magician. Yeah, man is him and Andre Olowski like deep and abiding friendship back in the day was awesome because they're just the most different human beings possible, both physically and emotionally. He's great. Like, I love John Dodson. I'm very happy for everything that went down this past weekend.
0: I'm sure you remember when Mike Goldberg famously said, so you want to be an ultimate fighter, Jed? So you want to be a BKFC fighter? Here's how it usually looks for people.
1: Oh, no, not all. Oh. Yo. Straight up, if you told me, BC, like, out of context, if you just told me that that is the villain Like not the big bad villain, but like the mid-tier villain for some like new horror franchise, I would buy it. Like if you blocked out the people behind in the box and it was like, yeah, that's just that's the person who's doing a cannibalism in the (laughs) woods or whatever on on this group of sidetracked hikers. Yeah.
0: Remember the landlord and Kingpin who did that gross thing? It's kind of giving me those vibes. But if anybody would have dated you with that rat tail. Awkward pause. Awkward pause. No.
1: Awkward Hard pause. No. Awkward pause. Pass. Pass. Uh, let's it. keep
0: it going. UFC Vegas from the apex. Bantamweight, Damon Blackshear made his UFC debut and became the third person in company history to lock up a twister sub here on Jose Johnson. Your thoughts?
1: Twisters are always weird because I feel like they shouldn't happen. Um, this one was cool and like it, it felt natural. Um, good for Devon Blackshear, right? And Dude dude was fighting it the whole way and trying really hard. Uh, that just looks like it sucks so hard, BC. Yeah, I've that's... never been put in a twister. Nah. I, I don't ever want to be put in a twister.
0: I mean, I've consensually been in a few of these positions, but, you know, that's another story right there. Hey, you know who's making noise in on the UFC undercards lately? Debuting females from Brazil. We've seen some big wins. How about Luana Santos getting in here against Juliana Killer Miller and needing just a couple minutes to absolutely... Uh, I mean, she, I don't know if we have highlights of the actual uh, punches thrown or just the celebration. I don't know if you saw this. I'm a big Killer Miller fan. She's got spunk. She's got charisma. But these are two straight devastating defeats. This one didn't last long.
1: Yeah, she is really good at getting knocked out um, like the the uh, because she's like long and rangy and she doesn't like cover up and do the shell, Like she's just going to fire them back. And the whole time she's out there throwing punches fecklessly like uh, absolutely uselessly just trying to return fire and getting lit up so it makes this really gorgeous finishing combo from santos and i feel really bad for juliana she won tough bc she did an ultimate fighter winner and they are having her get gassed on the curtain jerker of the worst card of the year like Man, like, winning in tough ain't what it used to be?
0: No, and she's got she's lost three of her last four overall, including that loss to a comebacking Veronica Hardy last time. And uh, we didn't have the I, I sent the wrong video in, but she got pieced up to end it right there. Uh, somebody else got pieced up, JP Bays. It was Bantamweight Marcus, the Maniac McGee, face
1: first there. One, one punch thriller here in round one. I, Yikes, I love, love the walk off and the, the gentlemanly walk off of. This yeah. dude fell down and I don't even like I could, I could, I could hammer him out. I don't know if we're going to have uh Khalil Roundtree's finish coming up here later. But no, we won't. We Khalil, Khalil Roundtree did not take this very generous step back that the McGee did here. So good for him. JP Bays has been getting God a lot. Yeah. He doesn't dude. need the extra so brain damage.
0: JP Bay's improves to Owen four in the UFC. He's not going to be the first uh, real African champion. Although he's from South Africa, but is this loss more hurtful than Roman Delize and Cheyenne Bay's, uh, I don't, I mean,
1: it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's pretty bad. I don't know. I mean, she it's fled the to country weigh.
0: to get out of their marriage. I don't know. I don't, I am not speaking of other people's businesses. Okay. But it's a tough break for it's JP. pretty bad. Yeah.
1: It's, he's having a rough go, I think. He
0: is. Hey, baby on the way though, for Cheyenne, you know?
1: Silver lining in every cloud, I guess, BC. Way to be positive.
0: Uh, let's go to Omaha. Hey, Terrence Crawford came for the victory parade. The city showed out. But the biggest highlight for me, as as Terrence drove around with friend of his program, Shakur Stevenson was Terrence showing up in the fisherman's outfit with the giant dude. He is leaning into this big fish thing. So hilariously. I don't know if you saw him on like national news shows. He's making the rounds all over, dude. This was awesome to see.
1: I mean, what an outfit I have not seen this shit. (laughs) Just what a vibe. Terrence Crawford living his best life right now is it's just so much fun to watch. Like there's not a dude who deserves it more. And he now gets to just do this, like, yeah. and hell, if I had that physique, I would, I would always wear an open vest. I would never be wearing clothes. Just, just the open vest. Let it all flaunt. you know, let everybody know.
0: Dude, I love that fishnet thing. I mean, that is just, you know, as I said, that probably the, probably the greatest boxing victory involving fishnets since <laughs> Oscar, but I don't know if you can call that a win indeed um let's keep it going here
1: wow that was a a real reach (laughs) PC.
0: around in fact actually uh let's go over to this everton your food of the week jed everton fc over there in liverpool is now selling the rocco (laughs) safretti dog your thoughts yeah look at that look at the unit on that guy wow
1: yeah so that's so much better than i thought it was gonna be because all of the like Food things are always terrible. Um, You're like you expected. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's that is a lot of meat to bun ratio right there. That is that
0: is that is interesting right there. That's, how do
1: you uh, eat that in a group of of your male friends without getting made fun of? You don't. I don't think you can. Do you?
0: Do you know? I hold. I still hold the Yankee Stadium record for having consumed eight consecutive hot dogs at the stand outside before entering a 2001 Royals-Yankees game, in which I sat in the extreme upper deck and grossed out the four women that were part of my party. That record will not be broken.
1: <laughs> eight dogs is so many
0: dogs. While waiting in line, I, I I I emptied my pockets of cash and consumed eight consecutive. And there's people that still talk about that. Okay, people what's wonder.
1: incredible about that? I have recently, there's like a TikTok thing that goes around, um, like the Would You Rathers or whatever. I've recently had a debate with my friends about would you rather uh, like live your life normally or get a million dollars a year but you have to eat six hot dogs every day. And apparently that's just a Tuesday for you, It used
0: to be. It used to be until I got, found the black liver. Hey, let's go to Target Center Minneapolis. There was a Zach Bryan concert. Guess who showed up to sing? It's Brock Lesnar!
1: Oh my God! Is this real? I can't.
0: I don't know how to
1: process this. <laughs> right. Represent Coors, not not Bud Light. Represent Coors. Coors, and then is, you think after this he's going to go home and get on his life? <laughs> 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 All right.
0: <laughs> Look at Brock Lesnar. (laughs) You're talking about Sable? Yeah, look at it. I mean, dude, I love everything Brock Lesnar does. Like, he can, even what he did to Mark Hunt, like, he can't do wrong in my eyes. He is, he's my favorite. He's my favorite person. Not fighter. I don't have
1: that sort of connection to him, but he makes me laugh because if if Brock Lesnar got off the couch tomorrow, he's still beating the hell out of, like, half of the top 15 heavyweights in the UFC.
0: probably. Probably. Man, dude, Do you think he would win the award for most juiced? UFC fight ever like does he did he have the oh, most no. juice in him of any fighter ever for a fight at UFC 200
1: no because he is also just an athletic freak so his juicing was I feel largely supplemental like he just you know wanted to get a little bit of extra dude go back what what was Mark Kerr and Mark Coleman what were going through their veins yeah, at, at yeah. the peak of the like early That's UFC's Pete Ke- rest in peace Kevin Randleman like yeah dude there's no chance he is he pissed the hottest of hot because if you could go back in time so much
0: uh, indeed hey football jersey of the week time let's go out to the field here Jed, do you have this one in your closet
1: go Please. Hokies bro <laughs> <laughs> what an incredible Virginia yeah <laughs> That's honestly uh, a great jersey. Yeah, P- props to that dude. Um, I would not wear that in public. Personally, would you rather wear that
0: in public or the side of Frank Beamer's face?
1: I can't give me the jersey. Give okay. give me the jersey. <laughs>
0: Let's keep it going here. I got to get out of here. Friend of the program, Giovanni Marquez, the son of Showtime's Raul Marquez, just twenty-two, improved a six and zero with this KO on Saturday at Overtime Boxing in Atlanta. Check out this finish.
1: I could have gone to this.
0: Yeah, you should have been there, dude.
1: I didn't know this was happening. Um, Where's G- the finish? I'm waiting on the finish. Uh,
0: they stopped it on the feet there, but Gio came in ripped. There's Raul getting in the ring. There's Proud Papa right there. Six and oh, the 22-year-old Gio. Let's continue to match him up the ranks, and there's the victory dance. You down with that oh, dance right
1: what a- there? I mean, I, I couldn't do it. That looks like something for the children um i'm i'm past that i'd blow out a knee trying to do that at this point
0: Uh, i'd blow out everything if i was this guy let's go out to the dirt bike trail this is why i don't roller skate this is why i don't ski this right here oh boy (laughs) just
1: oh (laughs)
0: okay oh
1: Oh. in the face oh dude
0: in the face dude
1: what a and it's a double whammy because the first hit and then it just oh yeah yeah all right all of the all of the dirt biking ones are always awful (laughs) Uh, No dirt biking accident has ever been kind to the person who happened
0: to. Graffiti of the week time. Let's go out to the elevator shaft. And Jed, speaking of shaft, (laughs) you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's so dumb and so good.
0: (laughs) All right, keep it going. Your regional MMA KO of the week. Incredible, Jed. I don't know if you know about regional MMA, but anything can happen. Let's go to your stoppage of the week.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, holy. Took his soul.
0: Awesome. Took his soul right there.
1: Damn. Yo. That's one of the most aesthetically pleasing knockouts I've actually ever seen in combat sports. That is incredible. Uh, who is that? Do we uh, know who did that? We
0: don't know. They threw a pillow in the cage, I'm being told by Gaff. Uh, yeah, he needs it. That mean, that may cause drowsiness. Nap. No doubt. Uh, Jed, I don't know if you know this, but we got a power slap mobile video game. Let's check the videotape on this you can ios this bullshit anytime you want
1: oh uh, wow that's great i'm not gonna play it because why would i what possible game mechanics can be fun here like i don't
0: uh carnage maybe senseless violence without defense but i don't know if you well, know that's this. The thing.
1: i at least would get watching like if you just are into senseless carnage okay watch watch power slap like more power to you why would I want to play a mobile game where I'm just going to tap this button, this one button, because it's not like there's a combination of buttons to it. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, indeed. Well, Dana, who often tells us how big Power Slap is in India, would like you to know that this is the biggest video game in the world. Let's listen in. We launched our video game, uh, mobile app video game. We're number one in all of sports. We're number four in all of video games. So when you look at, The power that that game is going to have, too, on the athletes and and recruiting and getting new people to come in. The video game's huge. We're number one in all of sports. We launched it today. We're number four in all of video games. We're beating, like, FIFA and uh, Call of Duty and games like that. So... They say, don't believe everything Dana says. Bloody Elbow's Anton LaBuena did the research shortly after Dana said this, and it turns out, quick fact check, Slap did not beat Call of Duty, which was top five on all free games. It's not even in the top 200, and in sports, it didn't beat FIFA, which was number nine, and it's not number one. Slap, at the time of this, on August 10th, was currently Number 111, shortly after Dana made those comments. So, you know, Jed, Power Slap, social media is bigger than every sport combined, but you can't believe everything Dana tells you. And finally, to close, maybe I'm wrong and I love this guy, but Jed, is Mike Perry taking this 2% black thing too far? (laughs) <laughs> guy looks like Who's c thomas howell and soul man right now but uh luckily <laughs> what we're celebrating here is the greatest bromance of all time him and yoel romero coming out of the dead but, sea so love man, to see it
1: love i mean it. that's really cool uh i would love to go to the dead sea uh and i would just love to hang out with yoel romero that would just be electric Dude,
0: be a fly on the wall with these two bro out with despite the language barrier. can you
1: imagine the conversations It'd
0: Be so good yoel
1: so good. and his Semi broken English and Mike Perry in his semi broken English. <laughs> I just can't even imagine what these two dudes are talking about. It would be the best. I would love that more than almost anything else.
0: That's the shit of the week. I got to bounce. So why don't I tell you this? Thank you, Jed Mishu the Second, for jumping in today in this MK slot. Luke Thomas on vacation throughout the rest of the week. We'll have plenty of special guests. But Jed, it was a it was a, a tremendously fun debut here.
1: I had a great time. Thanks for having me guys. And um, let me know whenever the fighters only awards are going, if I, I'll sit at the table with y'all, we can all, you know, MK family go up together and win. Is it back to back to back best, best MMA programming is this would be I'll the third or the fourth. Out,
0: this would be the third. If we win, our fans have to get out there and vote if they want to, but I'll shout out below the links when I'm up there. Cause that show's great. Even if I don't know the name <laughs> of it. Okay. You it's do great.
1: one of these years, one, one of these, these years, years Mike well, Heck, least, it,
0: huge Mike. Listen on. Between the links, they're correcting oh, me there in the in the it's live chat, Long Island. Thank you. Between the links, starring Mike Heck and the incomparable <laughs> voice of Esther Lynn and EKC Leiden on the production. There, Jed Michaud. Thank you, thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Uh, be back this week to set the stage for Boston, of course, UFC pay per view this weekend, and so much more. Jed, we already showed your social handles below. Anything you want to plug on the way out, and just to remind you, I'm married.
1: Oh uh, well, I would have loved to plug you, but. I guess that's out of the case. Uh, MMAfighter.com, it's a great website. Make sure you check it out. Most of my stuff's there. That's all I need. All right. I'll, all I'll, right. I'll come back anytime. Be happy to fill in for Luke uh, when he's off. Ta- who takes vacations anymore? That's
0: apparently we do every month, and the fans are really upset at us. But you know what I mean. Like for me to, I gotta, you gotta, gotta keep the family happy. Happy wife. Happy life, Jed. Okay. One day, one day, right? All right. Uh, thank you. Oh, that, for the- I had a
1: late start to the game with the rat tail. So, yeah. a couple <laughs> more years and we'll get there.
0: Indeed. Showtime, always the label that pays us. You can get your merch at morningcombat.store. All that and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It's your boy, BC, for Jed, Meshu, and the great staff, Long Island, Luke, and Gaffney, Pierre. Thank you for watching. MK out. Tip your waitresses. And remember what Luke always says about those hoes. They <laughs> never loyal, bro. <laughs>